Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to Cover Monkeys, the podcast where working musicians chat about the things we deal with, from Valerie to forgetting kick pedals to creativity, oh, to all the feelings of not practicing enough. Today, I zoomed it up with the fabulous Josephina Lull, a great singer who I met when she was singing in JJ's in Bahrain. She's an awesome front woman, and she's just started a group called Musicians Helping Musicians with Josephina Lull on Facebook, and is doing some online business courses to really work on bringing some mentorship to creators who are struggling. Uh, We talk all things from her abusive ex to being a woman in music to ADHD, and we're definitely going to do it again. If you're enjoying what I'm doing here or have any specific requests, please get in touch on at Roxy Sound, R-O-X-I-S-O-U-N-D, I I can spell, on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, give me a shout with what you want. But without further ado, the magical Josephine Alal and me talking far too much. How have you been? What's Because I last saw you in Bahrain, and I know you had a small child since then uh, yes. <laughs> yeah it was wasn't it I think that was yeah I was just going back on stage that was the last time I saw you yeah. I, uh, yeah I got married um it was a bit of a crazy situation and had a child and then uh basically had to leg it from Bahrain because it went really bad um because I came home eight months pregnant and oh then, my god so uh, I'm presuming this it went really bad with the ex yes yes right uh yeah that wasn't a good situation was uh, it steroids involved all sorts of things um was it an abusive relationship if you don't mind me asking we don't have to yeah. put this no 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 it's fine I'm, I'm yeah good to talk about it i think people should really yeah other people uh, so, become more aware of it yeah that he it turned out he, he was he was taking lots of steroids um and just became crazy just crazy on it like he was taking so many that he, he shouldn't be alive really it's really? really yeah it's really sad because he could be an amazing lovely guy uh, i met him in jj's in, in bahrain so he was like my security guard and oh, then wow. um then became a personal trainer he's got his own gym and stuff and then we like just it was just really like a great relationship and then the steroids kicked in and it just went crazy did you know he was taking them no 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 i didn't no not until i found out afterwards so when I eventually legged it and came home and he was like, oh, you know, this is why I'm not, you know, I'm stopping him now. So I tried to kind of make it work for a bit. And I went over there. He came over here. Probably, so I came here for the birth and stuff. But um, he was still taking them. I found out later. He's only oh. kind of just stopped in the last few months. It was crazy. It was absolutely, I was like, it was one of those things you think it's never going to happen to me. And um, if I was telling myself what I was putting up with, I'd tell someone to get out. Like we yeah. moved away from my friends. I stopped singing. I stopped. So I was doing like everything basically to please him, and uh, it got really scary. And I was like talking to the consulate and all sorts of things to try and Gosh. get myself out of it. it was did you? Did you like leading up? Was it only after you got pregnant that it started getting crazy? Uh, there was a few things before, just like controlling things, but uh, you know. 
I just thought like culturally it was more of a cultural thing and I was trying to like find the balance it was his bar rating so I was trying to find yeah. like a balance in that um but then weirdly I, I found out it does escalate when someone's pregnant so yeah also, well, I, I was, think there's there's a tie there because yeah. you're more likely to go, well, he's the baby's father. Well, he's, well, he's, well, it, it's like anything. It's like anything that provides extra difficulty or extra emotional boundaries. I think with running away, you, you go and naturally you as the woman who kind of cares about that so intensely, it just creates the sense of, oh, I can't leave. Oh, maybe I just need to put up with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think even though there's still that element, I, I, I'm not a hyper feminist, but occasionally, especially when you watch things like the Epstein, which is, I mean, the nth degree of it, but you do sort of recognize, oh, wait, there are things we're fed as women. Like you should just put up with that. No, you're just being crazy. No, you're overreacting. And so sometimes that's right. And sometimes that's leading you to believe in the wrong situation. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And because he could be such an amazing guy, so I and he was really like I liked in the beginning. I liked that like, the protection of it. He was really protective and like it's quite intense. And I and I kind of enjoyed that compared to like other relationships I've had. But then yeah. I was often faced on hormones whilst pregnant. I was having to take hormones for different things. So like he's on steroids, <laughs> I'm on hormones. It just must have been such a crazy situation. Just an explosion of everything. But but that is the pattern of abusive relationships, isn't yeah. it? Is that they're mm. so lovely when they're lovely mm. that and it, then... and it makes me feel bad talking about it now because also it's kind of I feel like he is in a different place now. But there's got to have come from somewhere. So he stopped the steroids. He's a much more calm person now. He talks to my son and everything. So there's all. Oh, it's really difficult to like break that link. But um, it just, I just turned into someone I wasn't. Like, I stopped my music, I stopped mm. everything, which made me me. And I just think, it's like, it's taken like three years to, like when I talk about it now, I just babble about it because I, I didn't talk about it for ages. So you have to excuse me if I do. No, so please go ahead. It's taken like three years to get back to, to like some semblance of myself. And, and then of course a pandemic of happens. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then there's that which goes screw you <laughs> all this Most work you've done you and your yeah motivation and everything stuff yeah yeah, um, yeah so it's been a bit quick and learning to be a mum it's just like yeah just a small thing just, yeah, just a responsible thing. for a human <laughs> life <laughs> <laughs> try not to kill the baby <laughs> that's basically that was basically my daily objective for the last few years yeah if i did that was all right <laughs> just a small feat <laughs> um, but yeah so um I mean, it's just one of those things. I think a lot of the times when you go through something hectic, you just kind of deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. And then all the emotional comes afterwards. Oh, but, okay. I was numb. I've been numb for like two years. It's just taken, yeah, it's kind of just all, not necessarily pouring out of me, but it's, yeah, it, I was numb. And then I was like, I need to deal with this. I think I'd like, I, I, I'm a therapist. Um, yeah, I was about to say, have you gone for therapy? Because I think that's so important. Finally now, I've managed to get it. It, was, it took me three years to actually get sorted and get help with it. Um, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you've been basically just living with PTSD for two, three years. And, that makes and, sense. And, but living with it and doing well with it. But now it's just like... Mm -hmm. On an even smaller scale of what you went through, I do think, though, that like I've always said to myself when whenever a relationship takes you away from who you are like in, in a bad way where you don't like the person you become so whether it is that i remember saying to a friend it's like 
she was like, I don't like being this person. I don't like being that overreactive, you know, constantly looking. And I was like, when it takes you away from who you are, that's when you worry about it. If you're irritated with them, if they're pissing you off, if you don't like the side about it's different, but when you start becoming a person you don't like, that's when you need to either, that's when you need help either moving away from it or like maybe it is just a personal thing you've, need to work on so i'm much happier on my own now like, i just like my own space i've been in quite a few relationships i just think what was i doing it's like why was i doing that i'm a hopeless romantic i blame disney yeah it's disney's fault basically <laughs> hopeless romantic so i always like looking for the the, the naughty shining armor or i like to i think i like to rescue people as well so anyone Ooh. with an affliction and i'm there that's why you now are a mom so you can look after the person you're meant to instead of finding projects yes that's yeah that's the best (laughs) i do think i do think it's a problem for singer i remember um singer sam worked with uh, you'll know but i won't say her name even though i don't think it's bad but she she always ended i think she's in a loving relationship now um but she you know she really wanted a baby she wanted a nice man to marry she was like really looking for something serious and she was gorgeous, like amazing singer. Just looked, she was 35 or something, looked like a, a fucking 20-year-old porn star. She was so hot. Like, and I just thought, and she wanted someone, she always said, oh, he came up to me and all these guys. And I was just like, you're not going to find, I know you want that kind of experience where they come and they woo you and they look after you and stuff like that. And I thought, the problem is, is that the nice guy who's looking for a mom someone to spend the rest of his life with who's looking for marriage and stuff like that not that he doesn't look at the hot singer and think damn what if he's just not gonna go up to her because a he doesn't think he's good enough maybe yeah you know he thinks she's out of his league um and then b he's like oh she's not looking to settle down because especially our personas on stage are like super flirty super strong super independent and like yeah you know, and, and I think the same for yourself is that, you know, often the guys that come up to the singer, if they approach you, which is what we often want, because no one does, because we're the confident ones. It's <laughs> like, when they come up to us, we're like, oh my God. And it's like, usually because they're a douchebag, they're like, yeah, I'm going to bag the singer. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe that's no, just... Like, what I always find as well is I'll get with, if I'm get with, I'll get with someone, it sounds like yeah. I'm not getting with people. Um, it's fun to use teenage language. <laughs> like we're oh my young. god, it makes me feel so old. <laughs> you, get, you get with someone and they love it in the beginning. So you're the singer and everything, and then like you get into it, and then they they um what's the word? They're put off by it. But what's the word? My word. Um, um oh, intimidated. Then they get intimidated by it, and then the jealousy comes out, and then mm. that seems to be like a a thing my whole life when I've been on stage. I went to Hong Kong with someone yeah and then a person (laughs) and it was an amazing place and it would have been amazing without him basically because he just made it a nightmare so I was Uh, like kind of building myself up out there and and got met some great musicians phenomenal musicians out there but he just made it a nightmare it was just like jealous and mm, so you don't want to come home and no I'm working Um, yeah and and trying to build a life out there and he just made it impossible Oh, do you know what? It's it's something I'm very, very lucky with, with me and Sam, that neither of us have the jealousy bone. You guys like, definitely. Oh, Post the children for it. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's fine. We have other sensitivity issues, but no. <laughs> I mean, every, I think 
the biggest lie that's sold is is that relationships are easy or should be easy. And I think that's, I don't know, have you ever listened to a woman called Esther Perel? No. Okay, I'm going to send it to you. You'll love it. She's incredible. She's just the way she talks about relationships in general, but um, she's like a sex therapist, relationship um, couples counselor, and she runs a podcast um, called Where Should We Begin, which is like couples counseling sessions with couples who've had cheating, couples who have um, different, loads of different issues. Mm, it's so good and jealousy issues or sensitivity issues or bedroom issues or just such a wide array of things that I think people don't talk about because you just see the cute Facebook pictures yeah yeah you know and most people I don't like people who share like you know oh my god just you know when they share clearly looking for attention you know every fight they have and like you know these guys being like oh you deserve so much better (laughs) (laughs) but I just think anyway sorry so she talks about it and like it's just one of those things where I just think more people should know about what a healthy relationship should look like and the struggles you should have but yeah, yeah, the protective thing is, is obviously oh, something you're attracted to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but why? Disney, it's Disney, I blame Disney. <clears throat> but I, I worry about that with my son now, like, because I'm so, so happy on my own, I don't really, I'm not really exploring that. With, I don't really want that with anyone yet. Yeah. So then I think, oh, how's he going to see a healthy relationship? So then I feel like, oh. Am I obliged to have one just to Yeah, just to teach him. (laughs) Oh, okay, just because for you. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, like just trying to show him what. But I think, you know, I actually, I was about to say things and I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Don't don't have a clue. But she, yeah, Esther Perel is definitely one to listen to. I'd like to see what you think of her because she has loads of different things and a, a book called mating in captivity which talks about yeah long-term lockdown. love <laughs> yeah she does have she does actually have some where she talks about lockdown because that's caused some issues with relationships yeah, where imagine. people who were not meant to be staying together are now forced and all stuff it's, anyway moving on from that excuse me i've got bleh, i fell over in a car park and oh no it's disgusting it just looks it's just a scab, so I don't want people to think I've got weirdness on my hand. Yeah, well, and I thought I'd treat and I'd give myself a hair wash, but so now it's winding me up. Oh, I think it looks nice. <laughs> it's like a wet look. I, I'm very lucky that in the, you know, COVID times, I just have my hair long enough now, so I can just tie it up. I don't know what's going on with mine. It was uh, all silver and short and funky before lockdown. Now it's just a mess in the middle. Oh, I think it looks nice. Still have you not had a haircut? No, yeah, ne- so are you... Nester. In Leicester, right. Yeah, How long have you been so, there for? Um, all my life, yeah. I've lived there all my life, apart from when I've been abroad. Yeah. But we're smack bang in the middle of it, so we're, we've been on an extra lockdown, and then I think, I reckon they're going to do another two weeks. Yeah, they're going to have to, I think, because that's the heart of it now yeah. at the minute. Have you got family who've been affected or friends? Uh, no, not that's had it. I've had friends, that have, a couple of friends that had it. Uh, luckily, I've been you know, I've done quite well that we've kept everyone really safe. Um, but I know, I know people that have, have been affected and struggled with it. So yeah, it's really, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's a weird time. I think I was speaking to someone yesterday, actually, that said the difficulty with like, you know, 
our area, especially as our area is really low incidence, but you've still got to do all this stuff, but it feels, you understand why and you're hundred percent on board, but now it's gone on so long. You're like, there's nobody, I don't know anyone who's had it yet. So yeah. it feels weird to be doing all these things, even though you know you have to, because it's that one person that can spread it all. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a strange. So how have you been coping? Like, how has it been for you musically? What were you doing musically before? Well, I was just kind of getting back into gigging again and, and um, getting to a point where I was like more comfortable with leaving my son on an evening because he likes his mummy there in the evening. And mm. um, so my parents have him if I'm gigging. So I was just kind of like building that back up. And then, and then this happened, so it's like, oh. um, so during lockdown, I've been reassessing things as well because in the daytime I've been doing um, microblading. Do you know where you look? Like, yeah. So I've trained in that to do when make my son's at nursery. All right. <laughs> but it's just another thing taking me away from the music. I realised. So in during lockdown, I've had a massive kind of pivot. It's like the word of this year, I think, and um, and refocusing on my music now and also been uh, looking at other things so I'm not in a like a suppose, mentorship program you could call it for people starting out in music or people needing a bit more help setting up bands that kind of stuff so I think that's a great idea basically to make money in music because I think there's, there's not a lot of it there is information out there if you find it but not all in one place if that makes sense yeah well do you know what I think the thing that's lacking and it's something you do very well and I think it's especially lacking in female singers is the ability to front a band. Yes. I, the, I agree. And no one, I don't think anyone trains it because no. there are like, I went to, uh, I'm going to BIM now. So I've gone back at, at the, oh, yeah. That's mm. very exciting. yeah. So I've just done my first year in guitar. Awesome. So I'm studying guitar. It was partially, and it's so lucky timing wise, because I've I'm got student loan. I play guitar as well. I just need to sort my shit out. Are you, do you play? <laughs> no, well, I, I can do a bit of keyboards, but I don't really, don't really do it. But I'm gag- I want to teach myself guitar because I just want to be more self-sufficient. Well, but, <laughs> just can't get my fingers to work. <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult with all of these things because it's this fine line between with really creative people. Like I also just found out uh, end of last year that I'm a no beginning of this year. Sorry. That I'm ADD at really? 28. Yeah. Really? Wow. And I think more musicians than I can count, I think are hundred percent either worse than me or similar yeah. because I think we all don't think we have it because when we're hyper-focused, we can, practice or do things for like six seven hours when the pressure's on we can do it and often the pressure is on on stage so we can focus with it because it's engaging um but you know tell me to learn a song that i don't have to or to practice consistently every day on something that isn't immediately showing results it's tough now that is tough for everyone but it just is more motivationally tough if you're on the spectrum of add which i think all musicians are in some capacity oh i totally get that yeah Rusty pants on like if I'm focused if I want to focus on something I'll kind of make the effort but if I know I just need to and you just need to get that done I'll just think of anything else to do yeah precisely there's something else that needs doing in the house or I need to epilate my legs for the 15th time <laughs> I don't know that's my new thing in lockdown I started epilating <laughs> it's really horrid I don't know how you do that no no it's, no <laughs> no no you get 
the first time it's the first few times you, you want to die and then you're like this is fun in a weird sadistic self-masochistic way it's my equivalent I thought of- that my son the other day told his nursery that he, he's got hair on his legs now like mummy and I was just like oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the downsides of not having a, a boyfriend <laughs> you just don't give a shit <laughs> you don't realize what your son's picking up on I'm just like, that's amazing oh, that's well I was having a discussion with a friend the other day that I was like we know we shouldn't prescribe to these beauty standards because why should we have shaved legs but the other side of us is like but we can't not we don't feel I don't like I don't I don't like not if that makes sense I mean I'm a lazy I've been lazy and not done but I agree with you. I don't like not, but is that because we've grown up in that society and are we, you know, it's kind of that very arty farty discussion, but. No, but I constantly, I'm constantly asking myself things like that because things like um, my, my catchphrase is sing from the soul, not the whole. That's my my new thing because so many times I've been made to feel like I'm not dressing sexy enough on stage or um, make, you know, well, yeah, just not being sexy enough on stage. And I'm, I'm just like, well, I, I want to be comfortable to sing how I want to sing because I think that gives a better performance. Not that I'm going on like a trog. I mean, I'm sure I have to sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it's like, all have but done I, once or twice. I'm not, yeah, I'm not here to show you my wares. I'm just here to show you my other wares, if that makes sense. Well, so, I thought it was really nice that you, I think especially in the Middle East, and I kind of had a lot of weird feelings. So I worked for... Uh, an agency briefly as part of the agency uh, because it, I liked the people in it mm-hmm. and I thought you know that you know every agency has a bad rep because there's always something to complain about yeah. with the contracts as you know there's always yeah. something wrong there's always the fact that you're like they're taking this much money but they haven't done all this it's I find they have weird clauses some of the agencies yeah but then some of them once you do it because you've done some agenting type stuff haven't you yeah i've put bands out I've, yeah i've been the agent it's, right uh, yeah it's a nightmare it's exactly you kind of don't realize how much work there is until you do it and the worst is is that when you're getting new people it is so much harder and you're mm-hmm. mixing new people with experienced people because you have to because that guy dropped out last minute and you need to find someone that they approve and they don't approve of the experienced one because like you say they want a leggy tiny young 20 year old blonde who doesn't know shit yeah or whatever it is which is not wrong per se but then it becomes hard to manage yeah and the thing is i think it's um but when when i did work for that i created this thing which i kind of i felt good and like in hindsight i'm kind of like am i perpetuating something i don't agree with even though i understand it so and i created this thing about talking about what females should wear in the promo videos and i'd suggest you know okay, work with what you've got, you know, accentuate this, accentuate that, you know, work on this, like kind of um, the first company I was with Alive, they did a a bit of that, you know, saying don't wear boot heels, it makes your legs look shorter, all this stuff. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, I, I made a PowerPoint just being like a hack saying, I know this is horrible. I know we wish it didn't matter what the hell we looked like, but unfortunately for these contracts, it does. So I was kind of saying like, this is the world we live in. So this is how you hack it. This is how we yeah. make sure your band gets in, you know, where high-waisted things, where things that flow out, where things that cut off at the right spot for you and that kind of stuff. If you've got it, flaunt it kind of thing. And like, mm. 
I kind of am like almost embarrassed about that, even though I did it in a kind of tongue in cheek way that was very aware that I wish the world weren't like this. I'm still like, oh, I feel like I should be working towards a better world, but then also if I it's, can help. It's so hard because do you stand by everything you want, you want to be seen for like your morals or do you want to work? And that's basically the choices you're having to make every day. Yeah, that's true. I don't want to be like, especially as a female, because, but it is especially. No, as a it's one hundred percent true. It's, it's like a- you have. I find you've had to work twice as hard. You've had to. I've had to find this balance as well that I find interesting between being like flirty, but not too flirty with people, everyone, basically everyone from from the beginning. I was in a sign band um, in when I was like nineteen, and that was a very fine balance with everybody that I work with and people behind the scenes and because you're trying to you're trying to prove yourself and you're trying to be everything to everyone so you they kind of st- I was the only girl on like a bus of 14 men as well really so what, like, what was this band by the way uh, there's a band called Terrorvision. oh cool they, I mean they're still good they're still touring now they're, they were amazing they really looked after me but you you end up being all these different roles to people so you're kind of like somebody's sister one day you're a bit flirty and girlfriendly the next day not that they agree with that but um like you're looking after them in a like a feminine way or like a motherly way or and then but to the audience you've got to be cool and flirty and it's it's a real balance that you have to find yeah like also you don't want to be too much because then you're seen as or the you know the she's just a slag yeah Yeah, whatever exactly everyone always thought someone's girlfriend they never thought i was in the band really so like, yeah i got thrown off stage not off stage but we were supposed to go back, back for an encore and one of the security threw me out thinking i was just like some person that had just come with like a fan i was like no i need to be back on stage i've got to go and play the last two songs no 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 and my, um, my band thought it was hilarious and they were like no no we've never seen it before in a laugh so i literally got thrown out and missed the last like, two songs because uh, it is hilarious like that is funny but it's also like Oh wait, no, there are still issues. Like yeah. <laughs> it's this weird thing. And yeah, for the Middle East especially, because like I know I got even though I'm not, you know, the most attractive, I'm not model like, but I know I got gigs because I wore short skirts. Well fit, Thanks, Star. <laughs> but you know, I, I know part of it was like I wore short skirts, and that's part of why I enjoyed when I was working at the Crown and Lion, because I knew I was valued as a bit more than that. And I think you probably had a similar thing at JJ's where you were valued for being a singer and a front woman. I think yeah. before you were valued as a pair of legs, you know, even though you can do that. Terrible legs. I've never been valued in that. I'm sure you have fabulous. <laughs> uh, but no. But that, my manager then was a female as well. Was she? So maybe mm. that was the difference. So yeah, she didn't really stand for any of that either. But also, I think sometimes in those more regular spots, especially if you're kind of a front, they they learn to appreciate that style of what you do. Yeah. It's almost I, one of the things I say to venues now as well. If audiences aren't stupid, they like their music, they want to be entertained, and they can see it. If your band's enjoying themselves and they know what they're doing and they're delivering like a passion passionate performance, they're gonna enjoy it far more than you know, someone on stage that, yeah, it's very good looking, but not delivering it, not performing properly. They can tell. They can, but then there's the other side of it, which certain venues are just about, oh yeah, it's got a fit singer. Like, and that's what sends them back or they see the photo and that that's what they want to see. I mean, I'm sure you've worked with venues where 
you just could not get them to take the better singer. Oh no, not yeah. That's kind of why I pulled out of it a bit because I got so bogged down in it and so frustrated with it. Like I'm, this band is amazing. What the first question is they ask, what's the singer look like? What kind of stuff does she wear? And it's like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's why I couldn't do that. That was part of why I couldn't do the agency thing. The other thing was just no matter how much work you put into it, you couldn't predict if someone was going to get drunk and smash up a hotel room. And just, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, one of the, the, I came out of it for a while because I just got absolutely shafted by a hotel in Bahrain as well, which took a band, and they were a lovely band. Um, and then they got taken over management wise and then just decided to cancel the contract. But, oh yeah, kept the I think band. I they kept yeah they kept the band there for like three or four weeks, sorting out visas and things. So they weren't working, they weren't being paid, they'd been late with payments, and I um it ended up I ended up paying the band stuff that I didn't get back. So I was like thousands and thousands of, because there's a lot of money involved. Yeah, there was a, a person just doing it on your own because I wanted to keep it small so that I was more involved with things. Well, also, like, it's this thing. You don't want to go through an agent because an agent takes a shitload of percentage. And you mean you save money for the hotel, you save money for everyone, and you do the best job. There's a direct, there's not the middleman. So you can just deal with things better. But the problem is, is and, and that's, again, why you sometimes do want to go out with an agency, is that there is no protecting layer of income because sometimes, at least, not always, but sometimes, at least, if that does F up, the agency yeah. does cover you and people just see that the hotel contract got cancelled and they blame the agent. It's like, yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's it, so... it was, so I'd spoken to some, for some of them since and they've been really lovely at the band and the actual managers in the hotel that were, that were kind of working with me, not that were high up. So it was nice to keep a nice uh, relationship going with them and they didn't blame me for it. But at the time it was so stressful. So stressed. And I was pregnant, so I just... Oh, no! And you yeah, just... It was all that stuff going on as well. So I was just like, this is crazy. But it's, a, it's a nightmare. Out of it for a bit. Yeah. So is that... And, and that is the thing with um, hotel contracts, is that they own your entire life. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what I think me and Sam appreciate about being in the UK. Like, I miss a lot of the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But then you just go, oh, the BS you have to deal with. Like, well, I mean, I was just agent on that contract, but that I felt for them. And, and I was, right. the fact that they kept them as well it was just like that you're basically keeping them prisoner but but yeah it's the problem of caring like if you can't and I think women are probably not as good at turning off that care facility but even with Joe from here and now like he did he cares that's why I worked for him because he does care yeah but like there's only so much you can care before you like I have to step back this evening because you know I have a girlfriend and a dog and a family and shit goes on yeah, but yeah. like, it's really hard when you're like, I couldn't turn off at all, or I didn't want to. Yeah. And I couldn't handle the repercussions of that because yeah. And even being an agent here, like dealing with a band that goes out and you've sent out a dep who everyone recommended and the depth pitches and doesn't know anything or is yeah. drunk or is whatever. And it's really stressful. I, like I keep, I keep getting asked to put bands back into different places, Dubai and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just, I don't know, dipping my toe and thinking, do I want to do that again? Like, it is really stressful. You think it's in music and I get this stuff and I understand how it <laughs> works, but it's like, then you've got people, it's like any management, people are representing you who don't necessarily represent the, your work ethic or your, you know, skill set. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a weird one. 
but yeah, I definitely, it's been nice owning my own career here. It is more responsibility, but if, if there's an agency F up or like a client F up, it's one gig, you know, it's not your income and your accommodation and your life and where your girlfriend lives and where your, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. Because like on a contract, if you've got a girlfriend in Dubai and you're on a contract in Dubai and suddenly your contract gets canceled, it's like, Selfie <laughs> says <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> you did JJ's and then was it like JJ's you did for a long time? Yeah, that's pretty much my the main thing I did out there. I went in 2012. Well, I was doing like one-off gigs there, just going out. And then the manager wanted a, uh, a what's my word? Contract, contract. Yeah. And asked her, so we went out. Oh, the first one, like we went out with 40 songs. It was a really, oh, really yeah it was a really green band bless him it was my boyfriend's band and they were an originals band and then I was like this is a great opportunity let's do this it was a nightmare like the bass player was always getting drunk and not turning up for rehearsals and I'm like trying to like put loads more songs in I can't believe really Esther's back so then the second contract we I like just swapped out some musicians which was really difficult yeah it's 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 so much politics isn't it <sighs> Yeah, because, well, I was just too close to them. And, but I had to make that decision, like, it's not working for the contract. So that created some massive issues. And then we found our awesome drummer, Scott. You probably know Scott. Oh, yeah, Scott's amazing. He's great. Drummer ever. He's just, oh, makes me sick. He's, like, just robotic on the drums, as in he can learn anything on his knees. And it's learnt and it's in and it's done. And then he sings with it as well. He's just amazing. Uh, yeah, so then we got him. And then it was just contract after contract. So I just stayed there because we only... We started off doing three nights a week. The thing is with that contract, like when we saw it, we were just like every musician, because there's always those contracts that those very rare contracts, like heroes, like in, in, in Abu Dhabi and everything that you go, that's the golden ticket. Like, and I think JJ's was one of them, but the problem with any of these contracts, a lot of the time, and I think it happened to you guys eventually, but like it hasn't happened to heroes yet, I don't think, is that they just keep on taking away privileges and taking away and taking away and taking away. And oh, like no, they'll start yeah, no, ask more that. nights and yeah. Well, yeah, we started with three, ended up with four, which is fine. I was, you know, still have with that. I think maybe more than the end. But then I put band in there and they just started, they, they changed management and then they reduced the money lower and lower and lower. And like to the mm. point where you're embarrassed to advertise it because, you know, musicians are just going to go, you having a laugh. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's... The, the problem is when people accept that, then it, it kind of, it dilutes it for everybody else. So if people, if people are accepting that, then it's kind of the venues are going to go with that. They're going to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So at some point, I just went, I can't, you know, I'm not doing this again. Right. Now, that's an interesting point because, like, a lot of people get really angry online about certain, like you say, certain paid gigs, like certain levels of this payment. And how can you accept that? A lot of the times, actually, it's for fairly reasonably paid things, mm. you know. And it is difficult because you're right, it dilutes it. But also, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I do think most venues do realize, oh, wait, when I pay less, I don't get as good musicians. Well, yeah, I hope they do. I, I, think, I think they have to go through that learning curve. Yeah, I, I, I think do it. I think they try it and then they go, oh, hang on a minute. Hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that's there's always going to be space for boutique. And I think it's the job of the experienced people to go. And also, I think there is always going to be space for like shit paying gigs in a way that 
you know, like you say, when you were there kind of 40 songs in yeah. and like, we know from working with younger musos, it's hard. And I didn't necessarily do the best job when I had to do that once. Mm. Um, but like being a band leader and getting a young muso, when you just want to call songs randomly that you just think what you have to learn proud Mary, <laughs> yeah. how do you, how is it not just in your blood? Like, how is it not just in your nervous system automatically? I can't fathom sitting down and learning Proud Mary or Brown Eyed Girl. Yeah. Because we've even, you know, I've still done it for anyway. how many years? Like, yeah. even once you've done it for a year when you're doing contracts, you're just like, yeah. Yeah. My hand. How do you find working with young musos? Uh, I kind of, it's kind of exciting, I think, because they give it, it's a fresh perspective. So, um, the, one of the last contracts I did, um, I got a guy called uh, Sam, who's also, he's not like, young, young, but he was, he was younger than uh, like I've been working with. Yeah. But he just had such a, like a fresh, um, take on everything and it was like fun to work with. Um, and he's like, even if he messed up, it was funny. So yeah. like, it excites me and I, it's nice to, then you kind of go into a bit of a, oh, I'm a bit of a mother mode. Right. <laughs> Just, and I like to get the most out of them. So a lot, a lot of people that came on contract with me weren't keen on singing or weren't comfortable with singing. So then that'd be like, well, okay, I'm going to get that out of you. So by yeah. the end of it, they'd be like harmonizing and um, much more confident with the singing. And I kind of like that, that role. So I think, and I think, it's our responsibility to, 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 to do that for, for new musicians. I mean, if that's what you want to do, because it, you, people have to learn somewhere, don't they? And a lot of the time you just need to nurture that. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's different personalities as well. And yeah. I think sometimes like I know with my style, like managing different musicians, managing this musician who never wants to rehearse, but he's, freaking awesome to work with because on stage he's so much fun and that musician who's a bit more diligent works in more diligent bands but you can't get that guy to rehearse or he's going to be miserable this guy wants to rehearse but he's fine with nothing and then the newbie like needs it but the other guy's gonna kill you if you make him rehearse brown eyed girl yeah and it's definitely i think it all comes down to the people but yeah i do what do you wish more this is an interesting thing because i've you probably similar, like we've never have to band lead singers. And I do think singers tend to come as a general rule, especially if you've got young ones who just as they are, because they need a fit young one. And so they go for people who maybe haven't worked in that, or they wanted to be actresses or they wanted to be this or that. Like, what do you think you wish more young singers knew? Well, I did have to band lead sing- some singers because we oh, added, really? yeah, once we, had, we did a contract with an extra singer and it was a bit of a nightmare, to be fair. <laughs> didn't didn't yeah. work out very well. Because um, there was a lot of, um, I don't know how to say it. She, like, she was lovely, but there was a lot of, uh, not jealousy, but she was, she'd get upset if people were like, oh, let Joe sing that song because they'd heard me sing it before, that kind of stuff. So she, I think she got a bit of intimidated, but she shouldn't. And that's she, hard as well because it was a place you yeah. knew, you know, the yeah. customers, they she know. It was amazing. Right, but it all, yeah, there was, yeah, there was all sorts of went on there. But so what, what was the question? What wish I knew? Yeah, what, what do you wish young singers knew or what do you think young singers need to learn? 
stagecraft so that that you've got to be on it's an honesty i think you need on stage so you've got to take you've got to kind of open it all up and be honest it sounds a bit weird but woo woo no i don't think it's woo woo deliver an honesty <laughs> so you, when you're doing it you've got to be in the moment and you've got to be it's like you're not selling happiness but you're just like you're there to entertain but also you can you can totally make someone's day or make someone feel something that they want to be feeling or they didn't know they want to be feeling or just have an amazing time dancing or but but you're kind of responsible on stage for what they're feeling like the audience so like get involved and just open yourself up to it open your mouth singers never open the mouth drives me mental singers that, <laughs> singers that don't open the mouth yeah <laughs> Just, and this next song better. is bye <laughs> and then just wait and wait awkwardly while someone's tuning up yeah and, and just like, be more like get with your own movement like be, move more naturally I, I, i'm all for a bit of a dance move but i kind of like the natural movement a bit more so just, yeah i just try and get more comfortable with yourself on stage and honest i think that's the thing for me. yeah so this is this is where I, I don't know if I different opinion. I don't know whether this is a taste thing because I like a frontman or front woman who can do the performery thing, but also like you say, is very honest, especially when you're in a pub. Like, yeah. and honestly, it's something my dad's always said. I think even a bigger stage is a glorified pub. Yeah. If you watch any of the, your favorite artists or favorite frontmen, yes, they'll do that. Are you ready? Da, 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 da. It's like, but also when you watch the favorite moments of Chris Martin or, 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 you know, some, I don't know why he came to mind, but I just watched his nature once or like just any of them that talk, they talk to an audience a bit like they would to a small room. Yeah. It's a connection. It's, it's creating a connection. I mean, but maybe that only comes with experience. So it's difficult to say. But I know some very experienced singers who don't do that. Yeah. And like. When I was with Alive, they taught very much a have a script and okay, and like very much talking to children, which is a useful skill in certain capacities because yeah. there is an element to reading a room like you would a teacher's classroom yeah. when you try to get drunk people to do things. Okay, everybody, <laughs> now we're gonna like, I, I, re I don't remember when it was. I, I think it was when I was in the early days of weddings here. And I was like, I, I like experimenting uh, with different stagecraft things the same way someone would experiment with a solo i'm sure you're the same where you go mm. i'm going to try to get the audience to do this tonight yeah and i was trying to get the audience on the i'd do the whole get on the floor and jump up thing and i got everybody on the floor and then it was good and it worked and we got them to jump up but my drummer actually who's not a stage he made an interesting comment he said i think the thing that didn't work as well or would work better if they knew that they were going to jump up at some stage so if you didn't tell them that, they were a bit confused as to where's this going. Yeah. So now what I do, and it sounds contrived, and I think singers tend to rush it, is I'll go, okay, everybody, right, get down on the floor, down the floor. Okay, so what's going to happen is I'm going to sing this verse, and then when I count, you're all going to jump up. So they oh, yeah, know. Totally, totally, yeah. You've got to lead them through it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and, and not even just, it's just like, here's what's going to happen. Here's the learning outcomes of this class <laughs> and we'll get there. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think you're right with, 
and I do think it's an honesty. I think like, just, just say what's going on. If yeah. the bloke's tuning up, then be like, you don't have to be like, all right, cover up. You can just be like, all right, Rob, you done tuning up yet? Come on, get yeah, on with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a natural. I love, I much prefer a natural performance of it. Well, I don't know. I think there's a place for everything because I do like a bit of a dance routine as well. Yeah, but like a dance <laughs> routine. And this, like, even with um, Bim, which has been interesting because, you know, performing as a guitarist or whatever, you know, and a lot of people will say, don't show that you made a mistake. Oh, um, I think people like mistakes. I think they. Like, I agree. I am a hundred percent agree. I think they did. I think that's what they were. Oh, what's going on? Oh, hello. Hey, got friends. Didn't know we had friends. Yeah. <laughs> <They learned laughs> it's not it's someone from Azerbaijan. Friends. Apparently, they're not friends. Azerbaijan. <laughs> I keep getting Azerbaijan calls. It's like, oh well. I, I get so many. I don't know if it's because they have nothing else to do now because of lockdown. But yeah, I'm getting so many stupid like cold calls and i'm like i've started mm. taking to putting on an accent and just being like oh sorry i had no idea bye <laughs> yeah but i block them and then it just comes back with a slightly different number and it's oh, like, yeah. it goes on for like three days oh it? gosh but um yeah i think I, I agree with you i think people like mistakes i think it feels special in a weird way yeah yeah because yeah, then it makes that performance unique people don't so I went to see, who did I go to see? The Eagles, they were amazing. Absolutely amazing. Phenomenal. But so polished, it was like listening to a CD. And that I was kind of like, oh, you want a bit more in like connection and interaction and the mis- like the mistakes. I like that. Maybe the not as bad it. mistakes as I've seen of Metallica <laughs> online. You know? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There are some <laughs> fantastic Metallica bloopers. It is quite <laughs> embarrassing. But yeah, it just makes you feel like, oh, I was at that concert. When I was there, this happened. And I think that's the thing with mistakes. It shows you that it's real. It's kind of the magic of live. Yeah, a lot of the time with my Juro partner, actually, he, he'll do something and I can't stop laughing. So then we're like, he's trying to start the song. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's in like the fourth, fourth intro and I'm really sorry. Yeah, but sorry, people I'll like that. People always comment afterwards like, oh, you know, you got a good dynamic together. Like, yada, yada, yada. And so at the time you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you come yeah. actually afterwards, all the feedback is, oh, we loved it. It was really nice. And yeah. Or they go, oh, I totally saw when you got that wrong chord. And, you know, <laughs> you might be like, yeah, I fucking did. Well done you. You know, I'm minor jackass. But like, you know, they, they like to be involved. So yeah, it's an interesting fine line because I struggle to not make mistakes as well, <laughs> concentration wise. Um, it's an interesting line between like, okay, yeah, don't be going, but just acknowledging it or laughing. Again, maybe there's a time and place for it and there's times where I shouldn't, but that's the type of performer I like. I like to watch and that's what I want to be. So when sometimes they'd be like, oh, you made a mistake there. I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't pointed it out. I go, yeah, but I don't, yeah. I don't mind being like, hey, but- um, one, of my, one of my guitarists, it was actually my boyfriend at the time was just like don't look at me if I get something wrong because sometimes I'd be like but I'd make You're a like, joke of it yeah he would he was just absolutely don't look Couldn't at cope. me just, yeah <laughs> you're not gonna make <laughs> so then but then you're just like okay not looking I'm not looking yeah like <laughs> so, so every time know. a mistake happens just go <laughs> well, that's what it turned into and he was like you're just getting silly now yes i am (laughs) because no one gives a shit that's what i do (laughs) yeah the only time i've ever heard a horror story is where someone like 
I think it was when Sam was in Porters. And Tom had just, one night, you play Hotel California so many nights a week, you know, it's bound to happen one night that you muck it up. And he messed up the intro a bit. And someone sent a note to state, you mess, how dare you mess up the intro to um, Hotel California? I'm never coming back again. <laughs> 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 how dare you? <laughs> Sacrilege. Oh, it's just so stupid. But um, yeah. So are you enjoying your gigs in the UK then? Have you been enjoying, has it felt different? It's very different. I mean, I, I love them. I love, um, I've been really enjoying like this the smaller like intimate gigs and the the duo is just great mm. but I, I also by accident started out doing my own like going out on my own with backing tracks yeah um, which I never thought I'd do because I always thought oh we always I'm, go oh backing tracks I know and I just thought oh and that's when I'm old and I'll have like a purple van and be called timeless or something I don't know um <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of happened by accident because what the guy in Nigeria couldn't do it and the pub was just like well can you do it and I was like uh this was maybe so you know, I had five days to download all my tracks and I got something like 80 tracks you know you don't really need that much but I did because it turns out they loved it and I ended up I was just doing it for like four hours but it was one of my it was, it was just lovely it was amazing there were great people at the gig I had a laugh I didn't have to worry about anyone else I set it all up myself I got paid everything to myself, so it was it was quite liberating. Oh, solo gigs! It, solo gigs are there's something about it that's just so much easier and freer. Yeah. Like I find either when I do the solo backing track, or I've got just the acoustic. Even there's a certain extent to which someone requests something, you can go, do you know what? Let's look on Spotify for a backing track, or let me find the chords, and you can yeah. do it, and you can busk it, and you can half do it. Um, that is the benefit of guitar. I quite like like half doing a song that I semi heard and they find it funny and it's that interaction like yeah, that you can have in a, mm, and that that's I think what you probably got from the solo thing is you don't have to worry, oh, he doesn't know it. It's like, no, I know it. Yeah. I got and it. It's, it's totally your choice what you're singing next. Like it doesn't matter if someone hasn't learned it or you know, it's just there. So yeah, exactly. Maybe I'm a control freak. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of similar. I don't know if it's a, it's also, but no, it's because you have the ability to read an audience as well. So you can go, this song would work so well next. And you don't have to worry about telling anyone else what it is or asking them or they need to get it up or remember the key or remember this. Yeah. It, it's because I think on a stage when you're a band leader and you lead a band that kind of slightly more improv way, you need to make sure everyone's looked after. Whereas when you do yeah. solo, you're suddenly like, oh, I can just like direct just deal with this audience and do what I think is best for them. Um, so I think there is a liberating sense to it, even though you might be a bit like, oh, backing tracks. It's also like, oh yeah, I don't think I'd be doing it. And, uh, and it's, it's, I've surprised myself with it actually. Yeah, and I think um, there'll always be people who are a bit like, oh, backing tracks, but yeah. they don't realize it. And it does mean that now I need to, cause I'm trying to like rebrand everything now. So I'm gonna have to, I've got the solo duo and the band. But it's only kind of finalise my band members for as well. I've found that quite difficult is finding band members here that have the same kind of work ethic as, as when we've been on contract. It's very tough. To, you can't, it's something I think uh, me and Sam have spoken about a bit is like trying to get a band to the same level as a contract band. And I'm not sure you can because. No. 
there's just a difference where your entire life is pretty much the music and you're playing, even if you're doing as little as three nights a week, although most are six nights a week, you're still doing what, four sets a night, maybe three. Okay, cool. But you're still doing about three hours of playing three nights a week. You're doing minimum of nine hours playing together a week. Yeah. Meanwhile, even with a busy, busy wedding band, you're maybe playing four hours a week together. Yeah. Also, try to write a set, like a short set, like just two 45-minute sets. Drives me mental because there's so many songs I want to play now because, like, and JJ's, on a Friday, we'd do five 45 minutes, so you're looking at, like, 60 songs. Yeah. So actually just choosing two two 45-minute sets is a nightmare. I'm really (laughs) bad at set list. I'm really notoriously bad because I want to do all the songs or I want to be able to pick and choose. Um, My poor wedding band hates it because like I'll write a set list last minute and then I'll be like, nope, changing it. (laughs) This song next, like I'll run around and whisper in each people's ears during an instrumental section, Um, which kind of works. But sometimes I do think maybe I obsess a bit too much with doing different things and maybe it's okay to do the same 245s. Yeah, but I get bored. I know. It's got to be fun, isn't it? When it's not fun, there's not, yeah. You've got to keep yourself kind of interested. I know, but I've also got to try stop stressing out my bandmates. Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, it is like you say, it's just boring when you've played it a million times, but it's trying to remind yourself that the audience has. But then at the same time, I don't mind hmm. doing Valerie every time. I don't mind doing these things, Hmm. but I just change up the order at least. Yeah. I, said, I remember sending my, the band that I was working with at the time, like, here's all the songs I know. You Tell me what you know, and we'll try and write a set from that. And they were like, can't even, be, God, I don't even want to look at that. There's so many. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I suppose, yeah, I need to make it a bit more simple. Just to yeah, work a bit it. more consumable. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 no, I mean, like, if you've got, I'm sure your repertoire is at least, like, probably, like, 300, 400 plus. I think it's 800 in the iPad at the moment. I know. Yeah, precisely. Well, I mean, and with that though, I mean, especially if you do, um, I don't know what backing tracks you use, but if you're just singing the Spotify backing tracks that are available immediately online, that's the thing. If you're I need to venture into the Spotify ones actually, because everything I use is karaoke version. I use karaoke version because I take the guitar off it and I usually do if I'm doing backing tracks I do it with electric as well I like to be able to tweak them Um, yeah exactly it's nice especially if they have shitty backing vocals or whatever it is Mm. karaoke version is notorious for having (laughs) can I sing your tracks (laughs) yeah like can can you just hire professional singers I promise you we're we're not going to be that expensive but for reals uh, like those oohs are out of line. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose like at least we don't use the lead vocals for them because those are yeah. usually the ones that are yeah, weird. Exactly. But um, yeah, Spotify, it's it's just most of the singers I know that do it, they just literally, you just go instrumental version and there's so much stuff for every song you know. And also if you're on a gig and you've mm. got the, the app, you, I don't know whether you're using an iPad for your backing tracks or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah or an iPad. So if you have Wi-Fi on it or hotspot it to your phone, you can just go, someone requests something, and if you know it, you just go, Spotify, cool. I do love Spotify. That was a game changer on contract. Yeah, makes a difference. As well, if you download the amazing song slower downer, um, yeah, that's one of the most useful things I've ever found. What's that? 
Right. So that is an app. Bonsoradama. Yeah. It, it's called, I know, it's a really crap name for a really good app. It's like three pounds or something ridiculously cheap. It's called the Amazing Song Slower Downer. Don't I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so shit. But like you download it and it, it directly imports. So it would be a bit of a faff to yeah. get because you have to import like, but it's really quick. You just go direct, you link it to your Spotify. You then bring in any song from a playlist and you can lower the key. You can slow it down. You can speed it up. So it's primarily like, I only really use it for learning songs or like guitar wise generally. But if you, you could use it in terms of backing tracks, if there was a song, you know, is a hundred percent too high for you, but you're like, I know how to sing this. I'll just bring it or pre prep it on that app with the key down with the thing. Genius. That's only if you don't want to use karaoke. I mean, that's where karaoke version is going to be better. Um, and it's not going to sound as weird, but if you're just like, I just need to take the edge off it. Mm. And I've got the, like, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a thing that's worth downloading is amazing songs. Slow down. Mm. What app do you use for your backing tracks? Uh, on song. Oh, do you use on song? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've used it from the beginning. I'm, I need to look into other things actually. I mean, I just use it because I, I just, when it first came out, I started using it and thought it was amazing, but they've got so much more they've added to it. I think that is just an Apple thing, isn't it? Yeah, Onsong's an Apple thing. And I also didn't like the way it worked on a computer. It was difficult. Or was it? I don't know. I just found I've it never difficult. Used it on a computer. I've just always done it through my iPad. Yeah, I just found it really faffy to be like, or to put in <laughs> lyrics, or like I found it faffy for chords. What and do you stuff. use? Well, I mean, I was using this thing called Backtracks, I think it was called on my iPad, but then yeah. I took everything off my iPad to send it to my gran uh, during lockdown because uh, she was in hospital and didn't have entertainment and then she couldn't use it anyway. And then she oh, went home, yeah. so it's fine. <laughs> so I don't have it now. So I don't know what I'm going to use when I get back to doing Backtracks. But um, I use it, I think it was just called Backtracks or Back with an X. And that was really good app, but like the guy stopped updating it because it was a nightmare. Yeah. But like yeah. for, it was, it was the best one in terms of having lyrics that could scroll and having it just play one thing, or you can make multiple playlists. But I don't like the way Apple does it, and I'm looking into better options for Android yeah. because, yeah, I just find Apple like gatekeeps some things and like managing lyrics and stuff like that and changing chords through an iPad is a pain. Yeah, you know, through a tablet, like I want to be able to set it up on my computer where it's just a bit less finicky yeah but um i use ultimate guitar most of the time which yes yeah. has some very wrong chords but you can yeah. you can customize it yeah and it scrolls and it's like i think it's a really really good app like 30 awesome. quid and it's done i don't know are have you, you ever hearing, used it are you hearing bleeps coming through is that my i've not heard bleeps oh, that's good what, what's bleeping you your phone <laughs> i think it might be yeah it's coming through on my laptop because it's linked. Ah, I see. Oh, maybe you're getting Facebook messages. That's probably it. Oh. That bleeps. Facebook. Yes, indeed. Oh, I wanted to ask. So you've started this. The reason why you got in touch with me. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. You started, <laughs> is you started this Facebook group of, of musicians. Tell me what happened. Uh, what musicians helping musicians, which I can never say properly. Um, so, well, as part, because I've been looking into the mentorship thing and, and writing, I've, I've 
thinking about doing a course online, maybe taking that into schools after lockdown, that kind of stuff would be quite exciting. Mm. Um, uh, so kind of, on the, I've been doing lots of business courses and things to do with that, um, like setting things up online, courses online or memberships online, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and so I was looking at setting up a group around that. And then just speaking to lots of people um, through lockdown and other musicians and uh there's a lady on my course that has been, she had clients, she's like a wellness coach type thing. She had clients that are really struggling. Um, and we were talking, she was like, oh, I, don't know, I think I need to set something up around that. Um, I didn't really want to set anything up, up so soon because it's a lot of, might not seem a bit, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of every day you've got to be in there and making sure things are okay and posting things and oh, yeah. it's it's... responsibility. So I wasn't sure I wanted to do it so, and then I was like no I just need to do it I just need to bite the bullet and do it and it's been really good actually um there's been people are slowly kind of like engaging a bit more and asking questions and putting posts um and it, it it's just I just wanted like a safe space for people to be it's all private yeah I want people to be able to talk about what they're going through a bit more um and if they need any help with like things like this like what equipment they need to use to set it up that kind of stuff um just a place where they can do that yeah so, where it's like yeah. people who you know where you've got a lot of people who you know are experienced who can say yeah. things or just like where it's not going to be just yelling out to the endless cavern of facebook universe mm. um that's a really nice idea and like i think a lot mm-hmm. of musos are thinking about the online course thing because i think this has put like almost the more <laughs> I don't know, a sense of mortality to our industry, to a lot of people yeah. where it's just yeah. like, oh crap, like what do, what do I do if gigging goes away? How do I make a living in music in a way that's, you know, because I think most of us are realistic and know that in order to make money from sort of sessioning or online music or stuff, it's just, it's a long road that might not pay out. Yeah. And so how do we, that's why a lot of us are in covers is because we want to, reliably sustainably make a career in music and so it's like okay what other way can we do that and what way can we make passive income and what can we and so I think a lot of people are looking in okay online teaching do I build a course do I build a this and so it's it's definitely worth it and even just for young singers you know figuring out how what an interface is like getting a mic that works um, so I have a friend who's building, started building a sound course, which is designed for songwriters. Oh, cool. Yeah. So he's a producer and he, even for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm older. I should know a lot of this stuff. I should understand how compression works properly, but I don't really. It was, it's the, that's the thing is that it's, there's so many hats that you have to wear if you want to do it all yourself. It used to be, if you were like, you were singing, that's what you do. You sing, somebody else records you, somebody else promotes you, somebody else now we're, we're all trying to wear all hats mm. so don't you can't beat yourself up about not knowing certain things yet you kind of it, it's good to try and teach yourself things and get information yeah. but it's also, you can't know everything can you it's, so, well I think a lot of the time as well like it, there's so much information that it's quickly overwhelming whether you're ADD or not like just going, oh yeah uh, I, I get especially doing these courses as well so I've been online a lot and now I, I came off um, social media quite a bit for quite a while with all this stuff with my ex um, but it was actually quite nice oh every now so, I'm just like back into it and it's just like oh I so. don't I'm not a big 
So I post to Instagram quite a lot. I haven't in a while because I started a care job, uh, which has been a, mm-hmm. another kettle of fish. But um, is I, I, I read a book called, well, I listened to a book called Mind Hacking. Um, yeah. And it's a really good book by a, a programmer who he like talks a lot about meditation, but just, you know, all that arty farty stuff, but more in a scientific way. And yeah. the problem with social media, and my sister talks about it because she has ADHD and she's a software developer. Okay. And um, she called, uh, I think it's called Deep Mind, and Deep Mind or Deep Learning, something like that. And mm. um, it's all about how just, yeah, social media is just an addictive thing. It's a dopamine mm. hacker. And the problem is as well, it just sets up, it takes away brain space and it sets up so many unrealistic expectations for our own experience. You just see the best part of people's lives. You just see their best guitar take. You don't see the hours that went into it. You don't see the years. You don't see the pain and sweat. And I think the problem as well, and I've spoke to Sam about this because he always gets, he can get quite intimidated. Sorry, that is my phone. Um, is, uh, he, is, is that it's not healthy for a human brain to be comparing ourselves to some of the standouts of a population of 7 billion. Oh, okay, yeah. it's not 7 billion on, on the internet, but it's probably, yeah. I did a research paper on TikTok and I think it was like something like half the world's population are on. Uh, and just, you can't compare yourself to that. Yeah. yeah, you cannot compare yourself to the elites or the opportunistic or accidental standouts. Mm. luck based and work based of course like these youtubers all of them have put the work in but i think you don't see the failures it's the same with original music you don't see the people who dedicated 10 years and never got anyway yeah and it, and it just creates massive imposter syndrome so you just constantly like you want to do you just you want to do something so you you say oh, i'm going to do this today and then you go and research a bit about it and you're just like oh yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be as good as that. So maybe I shouldn't do that. Or somebody's already doing it. So there's not enough people to, to for me to be doing it too. And it, it, it's probably stopping people doing a lot of things. Yeah, I think so. And meanwhile, it's like, no, you could be the strong person in your community. And it's weird because it's the same as kind of big companies. It's like, how can you compete with Costa? And it's yeah. like, well, people do want a mom and pop shop there's an appeal to that and so not everyone wants to go to that big brand no everyone wants and I think that's that personal attention which you can give online Mm. so it's like you say it's the small Facebook group where it's a smaller set of people where you're not and I think it's the same as a a pub or like like you say those smaller audiences you can have that more individual interaction yeah you know you can speak I can get to know the people at different tables and some people prefer that experience and that's yeah. valuable. I'm looking forward because a lot. I know quite a lot of people in there at the moment, which is great. And I'm kind of reconnecting with people from my school and stuff. And so they've been like direct messaging me about certain things. And actually, a lot of issues are coming up that I'll probably be talking about later on in it. So like, like being um, a parent in music, or there's a there's um, someone that's talking to me about. Uh, she so she's a mother, but she feels like she the guys get if their parents are music they still get to go and tour and stuff and don't have such a responsibility to the the child which i don't know i find difficult i i know that's interesting oh i can hear the beeping now do you have oh, no, an that's oven the, that's on that's the dishwasher all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> that's, the dish- 
it's an open plan. That's decided to beep like five times every five minutes. Um, yes, uh, like, I'm finished. Come yes, on. Like, come on, get on with it. Um, but so, so it's kind of learning what people are dealing with and feeling. And it's like, so she's found it really difficult maintaining music while she's being a mother, whereas she feels like a guy could they get it a bit like I, I know what you mean no and she's seen differently now she's a mother so they don't expect her to be as available that kind of thing yeah no I know what you mean I think there's definitely an element to there's prop there's two elements to that there's the personal side of which it's maybe harder because of genetic hmm. uh, genetic bonding that's not even the word but it, hormonal bonding and stuff like that maybe it's harder for the mother to leave um, personally, but then there is the societal impact of the mother's expected to stay at home. And mm. whilst that view is changing, it's still embedded. Uh, yeah. Like going around to all these elderly's home, you just realize what, you know, the fifties isn't that far away. It's not mm. that it's kind of the thing we're going through with BLM is realizing that, you know, slavery wasn't that far away. Apartheid didn't happen that long ago. It is still in our parents and our grandparents. And so that filters down. So those expectations are not, whilst the young generation may not be fed it as frequently, it's still there in our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents. And I think it's something my sister alerted me to, because I was listening to a lot of Joe Rogan. Um, I don't know if you know his podcasts. It's like the most downloaded podcast in the world. And he does some really great podcasts. But she was saying, oh, I don't, she's, she's quite woke and she does a lot for like um, uh, black um, programmers and software developers in African countries. And um, she was saying how she doesn't listen to it because there's not, you know, the percentage of women on it is so small and stuff like that. And I listened to one or two podcasts of um, uh, Jamil Jamilson, I think that's her name. I don't know. Yeah. She's, she's, um, she's, uh, she's on the front on the good place uh the british actress and um but she does a podcast called i weigh yeah and it's called i weigh because she was saying how the whole thing is what women value themselves on so i weigh so much more than my weight i weigh that i'm a mother i weigh that i'm a you know an entertainer i weigh that and it's so beautiful and like it was i sort of realized i need to connect with that side because there are things I don't realize I'm going through as a woman that maybe yeah. my partner can't connect to, even though he's, you know, very understanding and stuff. But there are things like when I was looking for jobs, temporary jobs during this pandemic, I didn't feel safe the idea of working at a midnight warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and like you say that as a mother, even though she's in an empowered time, she doesn't feel like it would be respected as much her going off and doing the music thing. She didn't feel comfortable asking the man or, or parents to look after more where a man wouldn't necessarily have as much of a problem. Mm. Whereas well, that- even, even things like, for me, cause, cause I'm alone yeah. parent. So just finding the time to rehearse and constantly having to say to my band, no, I can't do that day cause I've got my boy or I can't do that cause I've got my boy. And you just feel like they're like, oh, because they're, they're married and they, they can just, I suppose that's a lone parent thing rather than a female thing. Cause they've just got somebody else that can say, no, you take the kids tonight. Yeah. So, I found that quite. But it might be a male thing as well. It might be, mm. it, I could imagine that it's so much easier for, or maybe it's just more commonplace for the man to be like, right. You look after the kids. I'm going yeah. or, but I mean, that might be changing, but I think a single parents thing is still incredibly tough. 
And I my think mom did, I'm on a four. My mum did it with four of us. I don't know how she did it. What? I, I, yeah, and we had my nan living with us for the last eight years of her life, bless her. So, and she had a full-time job and she worked with, she was a youth worker. And like, I look at her and I think, how the, did you do all that? And she goes, and she tells <laughs> yeah. you, I don't know. Now you can forgive me for everything you were holding on to as a teenager. Exactly. You're like, I'm sorry I was a teenager with you, mum. Your life was hard. <laughs> really? Oh, better. Yeah, because you were saying, uh, sorry to move slightly off topic, because you mm -hmm. mentioned um, that your gran had, did she have dementia as well? No, no the, uh, my father. So he's, um, oh, really? yeah, he's 72 now. And he's, I can't actually think how long it's been going for. Oh, beautiful song, by the way. Oh, thank but, you. Oh, I'm glad you gorgeous. liked it. Is it Ghost of You? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Took yeah. really resonated. I was, just, I was like playing it over and over again, a bit like tearful because it's so. It's just exactly what what you think. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I wanted uh, before we go on to that. Like mine was just uh, I saw it was my gran, and I luckily didn't have to experience it so much because I was out of South Africa. But every time I went back, and it was the hardest was more how badly it affected my mother. Yeah, and, and watching how heartbreaking it was, and and just the weird, like this combination of disconnect. And I've always been very good at being like, oh, this emotion, like I'm not upset at you for this reason. It's because I'm actually think I'm a bit jealous, which is embarrassing to admit. Or, yeah. you know, I was always very good at like kind of almost acknowledging the surface irritation and going, what is this really? Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like I've always been good at that. And which makes me sometimes look- that. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes it makes you look almost more criminal in a way. It, it makes you look more heartless, like, because no one wants to admit that the, usually the things we're upset about are often very stupid or maybe not nice emotions. Yeah. yeah. That they're envy or jealousy or, you know, I'm just being spiteful, actually. Do you know what? Yeah. Because I was upset about this. And it, you realize that the root of some of your maybe seemingly more mature things are actually just quite childish. Yeah. And so I've always been, I think, quite good at like boiling things down. And um, I remember watching with my mum and just watching some of those things and just like you just, the things that people can't say or watching the things that you're not allowed to think or feel in those situations and that you do and that people don't talk about as much and how debilitating it is watching that confusing process. Mm. And um I think like watching that and a lot of people and uh, dealing with that and uh, speaking to the keys player whose mum has early onset. Uh, so she's wow. like, I think she's fifties now and she got it in her forties, late forties or something like that, That's which awesome. is, yeah. And, and so Alzheimer's dementia, it's all that kind of, for me, it's all kind of the same because it's that loss of sense of who you are yeah, or who they are anyway. So, so yeah, so that's, where that I came it, from it, i think it, it is it does affect the people around them more in a sense like you, you kind of almost if if they're in their own little world if as long as it's a nice world you're kind of happy for them in a way aren't you? That, but it's the people around them that are suffering exactly like, weirdly with my father i actually have a much better relationship with him than i than i did growing up because he, he he kind of left when we were eight when my dad split up we didn't actually see that much of him Mm. Um, very proud man, and I, I probably am a bit too much like my mother, so he reminded him of that. But since since he was 
started getting ill, he kind of started, I think, assessing his life a bit more and working out what was important and what he, I think, because he was in his past memories so much, he kind of had to deal with things a little bit uncomfortable. And we, so we kind of reconnected better. Was he, so did he, did he know he, did he get Alzheimer's or dementia and did he know he was going through it? Uh, it, uh, It's dementia, I think it's, it's, yeah, he's he's in it now. He's a paramedic as well. So he he stands it a hell of a lot, which has made it harder for him, I think. He's a very, very proud man. So So does he know he has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's really, sorry, it's really quite hard to see that because like even we were talking away and then we go, oh, what's your name again? And, and you can see him getting really upset about it. And because he understands it more from a medical side of things. Um, I think that's been really, so he's kind of know what he knows what's coming. And so there's that sadness in him. Yeah. I think it's even worse when that, cause I've, I'd only really seen my grand's dementia and kind of half seen other things. But like now that even just the past three weeks of doing this care job with a lot of different types of dementia, yeah um there's a couple where with my gran i don't think she often couldn't connect to what was going on or if she did she'd get angry and she'd almost mask over it um whereas there's one or two clients where i've seen oh they like one guy he's very aware he has dementia he has things around and he goes it's just that i forget things and i get so frustrated and he noticed when it started coming on where he just was at a table and suddenly couldn't remember the words of what to say and he couldn't get it out and so that's almost, I don't know what's more heartbreaking that because that's hard to deal with, but it's almost easier because at least they're compliant because they get that they're forgetting things. Yeah. Whereas with someone who's almost got that slightly more aggressive nature and they're not accepting it, you can't, they're still, the in-between process is hard because yeah. you're like, you can't have a credit card because you're not with it. Sometimes yeah. you're with it, but you're too often not, you cannot drive because you're too often not with it. There's one lady who's now, I think she's gone the Gaga side. She was, yeah. that's quite rude. I don't know if that's PC to say, but like she was, I mean, she's really lovely, but she, you know, she sort of didn't remember, like she was apparently resistant to care for a while. Like, but I've come in, she's new to the company. And like, as soon as I, she's left the gas on both times I'm there, like just had the gas yeah. on and didn't know how to turn it off. And so there's that thing where they move over to the side of not understanding how anything works and accepting it yeah, and, and accepting care. But I think the transition period is hardest when they're like, but I'm yeah, not, I just forgot one not. thing. Yeah. No, but, but he's just very resistant to it. He, I think they do need a bit of help. It's him and his wife there, but it's, yeah. you know, it's intense and it must be really hard for her. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very, it's tough to watch and also it's tough for them because they're resistant to the idea. There's part of them. And once when you've got all that going on, there's so much of them still there and so much of them not. Yeah. Even if I think, he, he had to stop. I think the big thing was when he stopped driving, that's when I was like, Oh yeah, that's, this is big now. So yeah. he doesn't drive. He doesn't. And he lost his dog recently and he was a big hit part of his day, like the routine of it. So I think, and also that he's, having to deal with that grief every day so you kind of like wake up you don't remember what's happened then you realize you've lost your dog again and you're kind of having to relive it all the time yeah it's he's that's a really hard period as well because it's like the sense of but there is a point you know 
at which they go where they're completely in in that weird land where they don't understand and once they've gone a bit almost totally mad as horrible as that sounds it's almost easier because like i said you know i can hope that you're an unaware bliss yeah when they're aware of it and there's that fight between reality and this kind of land that they're in sometimes when my grand went almost completely the other way she was a bit happier she didn't know she wasn't sleeping she didn't know she wasn't there she didn't Mm. know what freak out about things she would forget but there's one lady who I care for who I've gone. I mean, she's she's gone completely the other way. And you just say, I'll, I'll be back in 15 minutes so she doesn't get anxious. But you're not coming back. Yeah. Another care is coming later on. But like, you have to say those things and it doesn't matter because she's not there. But the other day I went and she was like, I woke up and I didn't know who I was. And it was the most terrifying thing. So she oh, could remember that you. much. But she can't remember... So it's so weird. That's why that's why I love the song so much. It's like unaware bliss, isn't it? That's what you hope they're in. Yeah. And and I was the the line I wanted to. I think I wanted to bring out most, which is, is, I think a lot of people don't want to say, but I think feel as you know, uh, death is cruel. But I think this might be worse. And not even just because, because kind of a lot of the time, like you say, that they're fine because they don't remember, they don't know what they've lost mm. and they're fine. But you're also like, but you of however many years ago would be horrified if you watch yeah. now. Yeah. And, and that's one of the hardest things to go through is you like, would they want to live like this? Mm. But they're in their right mind enough to not do that. But also is this their right mind? Yeah. Like this really complicated ethical and life debate. And I think, that side of it isn't talked about enough because we just go, oh, we look after everyone and they're fine. And, you know, the, the dementia and stuff like that gets, but it's becoming more and more common that society needs to kind of figure out. Yeah, totally. My dad, I think my dad's very scared of it because I don't think he, he, because he's so proud, he doesn't want to live like that. So I think mm-hmm. it, he struggles with that every day. Yeah. It, the more it gets worse, the more he's like, I just don't want this. Yeah. And, and so, you're yeah. still part of you alive. To, I mean, as, as horrible as it's to say, I've, I've spoken to my um, uh, partner's mum about it, my mum and my like you kind of just hope, it sounds awful, but a sister's suicide is a real reality that I think should be a right almost that people go through, like, like yeah. that people have for their lives yeah. because, you know, a lot of people don't want to live like that. And who are we to say, yeah, no, it's only going to get worse. So this yeah. neurological disease, like there's, I don't remember what it's called, but the one neurological disease where you lose more and more ability every day for six months, it's like... Yeah, because what people don't realise it's not just the, the thoughts in your brains. Your brain's, waste, the, your brain's actually wasting away. So things are shutting down. So your body's systems are shutting down. Like with my dad, his eyes are getting worse and things. And that's all to do with your brain. Yeah. wasting basically and people don't understand that so you it's actually shutting down your body yeah in, in this really slow process is awful yeah and it's just it, it's really like i get that it's difficult but it's just yeah it's such a complicated thing aging is quite terrifying in that way and it's yeah it's just like i'm just really, getting i'm just getting okay with that i'm 40 one am i this year 42 this year oh I thought I thought you were younger. You look good for oh, you. So well done. You're like, Thanks. Oh, done. <laughs> You're too Go fine. on. Stop. Stop. Go on. <laughs> no, but, but but genuinely, you know, and uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely 
it's an interesting thing. So I think I wanted to talk about that with that. And like these young animators did a beautiful thing. But what was oh, interesting about this is, um, is that I don't, I haven't met anyone who hasn't been touched by it. Like not everyone's had family with cancer. Not everyone's had family with, uh, you know, other illnesses. Everyone I know has had some sort of family member with dementia at some yeah. stage. Yeah. Like I, I haven't met anyone who hasn't. Um, so it's been, that was definitely interesting. But I think the coolest thing about this song was like, it happened. I was going to release it for running the marathon, Brighton Marathon in April. Better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, that got postponed. I don't ever know why. No one can guess. <laughs> but um, so when it did, I actually had more time to work on it and to build these things like the. And it was really cool because it was the first time in my life that I focused effort on one place and just a song had a purpose that was bigger than just listen to my music. I'm trying to create <laughs> a brand. I'm trying to create this. And um, it was like, this is the point I'm trying to make a song to make people feel better, make people relate to this and to raise money. And um, for this charity, which is a good cause. And it's much easier to get behind that than get behind, you know, listen yeah. to me because I'm great. Or I was a good singer. Yeah. I was a good singer, <laughs> you know, but I know there's millions of better singers and like, you know, I know you, it's just weird. So, so that was quite nice. And, um, because of that, we then had more time and I actually spent a lot more time on the detail than I ever have with this track, with the production, with the mastering, with the animation, with the stuff, with the release plan and stuff. But then of course, naturally, once that was done, I was like, and I can't carry this forward. Yeah. I wanted to, so something else I want to ask you um, is just because it's something I'm interested in from any musician, there's always that originals and covers balance or battle or whatever yeah. and what are your thoughts on the originals thing what like are you sad that you didn't go for it what place does it have in your life or do you wish it had uh i find that people are very judgmental about it so if if you're simply a covers band you just want to do covers and sing because you love singing. You're kind of judged for it, and I and I I think that's wrong because there's so when you say that, you mean you think that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolute shit. Yeah, cack bollocks. Um, because there's so much amazing music out there, which um, created by people that aren't even alive anymore. So how can 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 you just be listening to them do it? People love to listen to music, and it creates. It, creates feelings in them and it evokes things in them and passion and it it's um it's part of life um so to be able to do like do a song justice and take that to more people i think it's a really cool thing and if you enjoy doing it and you enjoy singing but you're not you don't, maybe you're not creative enough to write you should be allowed to do that and not be judged for it um i do i do actually like writing i've done i had an originals band uh, project mayhem project with a k you should never have done that ah oh, so 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 Bad 90s noughties yeah <laughs> just very oh my life and um, and that that was quite heavy um i always found myself kind of always shouting over everything it was a great band good for god um and i've done a bit of writing with sharky richard marino oh yeah he's amazing. um he's great to write with 
and it is really good because like <laughs> I normally go, I've written something, and it's always really. It's probably about a boyfriend, and he's going, yeah, it's quite literal, and he'll like turn it into something. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try writing <laughs> with Sharky then because what I like about Sharky is Sharky's one of the few people I've seen who's managed to have an originals career, and I feel like he does without yeah. too much of the bull crap and write great albums, but you know, not like have it, I imagine it brings some income for him, but also I just, would hope. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> you never know with it because there can be people on big tours who don't make money from it, you know, who work at Hamburg yeah. and Mary's or whatever it is. Um, but like he's done that really well of just creating good material consistently ish. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how consistently I don't follow that. It, it, just, I, it does so much. I don't know how he physically does it. Like he's, he's just got that mentality. He's, he is a creator. Um, and he just writes, some of his stuff's beautiful. I think like his lyrics and stuff. I yeah. Just how he phrases stuff and frames things. Um, but, it, but also getting the best out of me was really, you should like, right, if he's got time, do it. Cause it, yeah. it's, it helped me a lot because I was very rocky, all about my rock, and that's kind of the stuff I'd written before. But I actually loved it. It was kind of more country and folk stuff that we were doing, um, do you, and I really enjoyed that. Do you know what I struggle with as a writer? And I don't know if you relate to this because I I love writing, and it's it's, it's been a journey. Because when you are young, you're like, I want to write my own stuff. Because usually <laughs> we're all creatives, and it's not that I always love covers. And speaking to the whole covers thing, it's just yeah the whole judgment of it and it's like you wouldn't expect every business student to, or business graduate to start their own company that's not i mean some people get if they become a ceo of someone else's firm or if they are a manager high up in an expensive you wouldn't judge them and be like why didn't you start your own company oh okay. it's like we're you know just because we're not building our own business as an originals yeah. artist doesn't mean we're not a great worker and it's not Cool. Yeah, also people like having a wedding that can't afford to pay Adele to come and sing at it. So he's <laughs> like, there's a place for everything. Yeah, exactly. Like. You know, um, not every, precisely, you wouldn't, the manager of a coffee shop, you wouldn't be like, oh, you don't own a multi-million dollar firm? Oh, you know, <laughs> you should go and try for that. I know so like, I know a few misses, well, quite a lot, that are almost apologetic about the fact that they do covers alongside their original stuff. And I'm just like, what, what are you going about? It's just fun. It's, it's a great. Good way to, yeah. I'd rather be doing that than sat in an office. It's a great I, way to make it. Johnny, Johnny Coote is the keys player currently for Dermot Kennedy. Um, so he's been touring all over the world, um, you know, got mugs from the Ellen show and, you know, all the stuff, the Stephen cool. Colbert show. So doing incredible stuff. And he comes back and he'll do a 50 quid gig of Cassis on an instrument because it's fun. Great. He doesn't what, judge yeah, yeah. it, doesn't, like, there's no, oh, it's covers. It's like, no, it's music. Yeah effing music and it's great and you can be in some ways you can be more creative with covers because you're not beholden to serving i mean yes you're beholden to serving the song but actually you're there to entertain so if you want to yeah. do a you know weird version or a reggae version of this one you can if you want it's not so much pressure it's a lot of pressure when you're doing your own stuff it's you've, the, the vulnerability of being on stage with your own stuff is epic it can be because well, you're can, trying to say, like me, like me. You're not going, yeah, exactly. I know this is going to work. <laughs> I could deliver a covers gig, a cover, really, like really sincerely and really honestly and really, like, I'll deliver that amazingly. Yeah. My own stuff, I remember it like, yeah, I've written a song, here it is. 
It's weird. I find the difficulty with original stuff is I find I struggle to do it because I was like, I felt like when I was doing original stuff, it was about me or like, I, and I didn't like doing that. I'm like, no, I like making it about them. I know you like Valerie. So if I play that, it's great because I know you'll dance. I know you like it when I play Sweet Being Alabama. Okay with being vulnerable. Yeah, but it's, also, it's vulnerable, but also I don't like selling myself. And maybe I need to be better at that, but also it's cool to accept that I don't like doing that. And I'm if terrible you, at it. I think you, I think, I, I disagree with that. I don't think you're necessarily terrible at it. I think you could be good at it. You just don't want to be necessarily, <laughs> yeah, if that makes like sense. It. Oh yeah, I could tell someone else and talk about someone else. Having to do it about myself, hate it. Yeah, hate it. You, no, that's the thing. It's not that you can't do it. You just don't like it. You feel yes, uncomfortable yeah. doing it. Yes, you yeah, could do it. Yeah. And we feel uncomfortable, so we choose not to. Now, we yeah. could choose to if we wanted it that badly, but this is something that I think is not told to young musicians a lot. Me and Sam talk about a lot is that to be an originals artist, you've got to give it your everything for not just a year, not just a few months, for years and years and years to one product, to one brand. And like, there's only, you can shift and stuff, but you, you've really got to dedicate to the long term and sacrifice yeah. to the long term. And you've got to be willing to make that sacrifice long term without necessarily the guarantee of payback. Yeah. Totally. And that's the difference. Whereas if you set up a good cover band, you're likely to get payback fairly soon. Yeah. You know, if you're decent, of course, we've got to be a certain standard or throughout, there's got to be a certain level of work and ability, but you know, whereas, and I think that's not sold enough. It's like, this is what the reality of your life look like. The, here's some semi-successful bands that mm. have done all the right things, but they're still not making a great living from it. I think a lot of that also comes from how, the media and everything sell things now and, and and shows like x factor and um the voice all that kind of stuff it's everybody wants stuff instantaneously even like the way my son is three listens to music it'll get my spotify open and it'll like listen to the first bit and then he'll skip to the next one and he'll skip to it like no can you listen to the whole song please it's beautiful <laughs> and it's just it's like an instantaneous consumerism and it's... i think that people especially young musicians are, are seeing that and seeing oh, I just need to go on that show or I just need to go on Facebook and get a few likes. And then it's like, boom, done. Well, I think it's that often as creatives or anyone really, like you say, it's that instant feedback. And I remember it always stuck with me. There was a guy talking about his wine channel or something. And he, and, and someone was interviewing him and saying he was classed as an overnight sensation. And he said, yeah. that always really annoyed me because yes, it was within a very short period that suddenly I went from very small viewership to this monumental viewership and got these big deals and stuff. But he said, but every weekend for the past five years, when people said, are you going out? I said, no, I'm staying home and I'm making this video. And he yeah. made it consistently every week. Yeah. And yes, the rise to popularity came within a week, but the dedication was there. Yeah. And I know what I realized about myself is that I don't have, and it's the struggle endlessly with the whole originals thing because I love writing music I love it but I'll write a different genre of song every week every day every hour oh. <laughs> yeah totally and totally I think it's why we love covers but it's because we love it all yeah. it's like it's yeah. almost it's a blessing and a curse because you're like I can't I always, myself. always say that 
I always say that blessing in a day. Yeah, because we're like, we love everything, but it means that, you know, like Richard has been consistent with his country style, which I think is what makes him well, would make him grow, will serve him consistently. Is like, we can't do that because we're like, we want to sing a bit of rock, a bit of this, a bit of that. How do we sell ourselves if we're everything? You're so, so oh my goodness. It's like someone gets me. <laughs> I so think I actually I actually don't tell him anyone before everyone's gonna hear this now but um yeah. <laughs> I did an audition for which one was it I think it might have been The Voice I yeah I just come home um after, I think I've broken up with someone oh it's after the Hong Kong debacle yeah broken oh, right. up with someone I thought my mum was going why don't you try this it's you know they're doing the auditions you, you can't hurt can you and so I went and put myself forward for The Voice and you have to learn three tracks and so I took three backing tracks and I didn't get past the first round. And I was right. just like, and so I thought, what did I sing? I think I chose um, What's Up for and on Blondes because I thought that was just easy to sing without a backing yeah. track. And they just wanted a bit of um, uh, like, uh, just, what is it? Why can't I get my words out today? Ah, oh, it's fine. It's a bit. A cappella singing right, a, yeah. a chorus. So I did that and they seemed to love it. And then we got called back. And because I'd chosen What's Up My Phone on Blonde, I think, I've done a Bruno Mars song and maybe Adele or something. There was three different, very different genres it was. Mm. Um, and, but I was dressed quite rocky. Yeah. I had blue hair at the time and yada, yada, yada. So then when they brought us back, they were like, oh, there was, they, they said, oh, there was an amazing vocalist in here, but we couldn't work out her, who she was and what her genre was. So um, we'd love you to like go away and work on it and come back looking at me. So... And I came out and I was like mortified that I'd not even got past the first round. And I sat in the car, like, what the, like what's just happened? What, why do I need to be in a certain genre? And it's purely because they need to pigeonhole it for what, what they're doing. So they're making a TV show. But at the time I was just like, I'm obviously not very good. What's going on? Oh and yeah. Thankfully that night on the way home, um, I got a text saying are you available for a gig someone just pulled out of a gig um, and it was like a wedding gig on the way home to Birmingham to Leicester and I went and had the best night I didn't know I hadn't learned any of the tracks I didn't know what tracks yeah. they were doing we just kind of went up, went off with it and I was like oh no I, lo- I love this I need to yeah. not be so hard on myself and like like also also just remembering oh I'm good at this like like yeah. I'm good at this and I'm good at this environment and I'm yeah. good at adjusting and that's the thing often for those shows they don't necessarily want professionals like yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and even so when you listen to original music or you hear a voice it is often the most individual voice that sticks through i'd argue that i do think you do have a great tone you do have an individual voice you don't have like from what i remember you know you don't have that typical function voice where it's a bit like it does it lacks personality almost yeah um you know so th- there's a thing where you have a tone that can be variable but there are certain singers who you like they don't sound great singing everything but you just yeah. like that tone I'll recognize anywhere. And but I do look, I love rock and I love all the pop stuff that we do on the contracts and I look like all the seer stuff, which you think I'm never going to hit that note and you do and it's like, oh. Um, okay, I don't. Like, well yeah. done you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and in the original stuff, that kind of flows through into that. I never, I'll never write the same genre twice, I suppose. And, and you'll write what you're listening to and, and if you listen to loads of things and love loads of things, it's, look, and I just, it, it all comes down. And I think this is, again, it's like, I don't know whether it's self-development or me just getting on my high horse and then not being able to live by it. But um, is that, I think, or it's just me backwards logicking excuses, is that 
we've got to recognize what realistically we have to sacrifice to maybe go down a certain road and whether we actually want to. What are the parts we enjoy about something? And what does the reality really look like? Not the Facebook life, not the accolades, not the this. What does the reality really look like if you're going to dedicate your life to being that artist? And yeah. if you don't want to be a walking brand, how do you then brand yourself? Like if you don't, or if you want to have the flexibility to do different things, how do you brand and sell yourself? And I'm still like, traversing through that because it, we did an exercise which is like a branding experiment because now I do think like people follow personalities they like people yeah and I believe I like the long-form podcast I like learning hearing nuanced conversations but it, it, it isn't as sellable so then how do you sell yourself how do you you know give yourself that one-liner that makes yeah, you individual yeah individual but interesting and you're like <laughs> you know, I don't, so it's an interesting experiment with that, but like, yeah, I think I've just realized down that originals road is okay. How can I find a place for writing music in a context that, you know, that I can manage, that I enjoy the process of enough, but I can either make financially, creatively, somethingly viable. And that's my big journey with BIM as well is like, you know as well as any band leading a band is hard band leading an original project is even harder trying to write with other people like you've got to find that the writing works but then the management doesn't work this works but that doesn't work this and yeah. it's a nightmare and i got these guys who we start we played a original like we played a cover song together just for fun at bim and then they were like oh let's do some originals and then i found writing it and and i was like this is the way I want to do it in my life. I just want to create cool things that yeah. I've created a thing and then it's done. And, and I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be the person in it for the long haul, like pushing for everything, doing all the social media plans. I don't want another band name that I've created every profile for. And then it dies within a year, which is actually yeah. exactly what's, yeah, yeah. and, and it's, I think that's what a lot of young people do. They're like, yeah, there's a new band, da, 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 everything, everything, everything. And then it changes or, someone gets a girlfriend or this happens, that happens. And it was realizing that I'm not necessarily that dedicated to original music enough to do that long haul with it. So how can I find a place for it? And I yeah. think that's a journey a lot of, especially covers musicians are trying to find. Because I think a lot of covers musicians are incredible musicians like, and, and have really creative stuff and finding a way to either do sync music or do, you know, write for you know, that, that library kind of stuff or a producer to work with that you can just do top lines or that's, I think, a journey we're all going through is finding what environment. That, that's kind of the exploration I'm kind of going on at the moment. And, and part of that is for the, for the group so I can be able to help people navigate that. So I'm kind of looking into all that kind of stuff at the moment because there, there are a lot Hold on, of pause for a second. I really need to wee. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, I'll be back. I can cut this out. <laughs> I'm timing you. These are hurting my ears. I've got a funny ear. No, headphones always crap. Oh, yeah. I had in ears made, and even they were a nightmare because I had like three drivers put in them. So they they like took the molds from my ears, but when I got them back, they still hurt. Really? Yeah. I haven't had custom in ears done. Because I just I've... don't like them. 
I bought I bought a really nice in-ear pack. Also, I've been notoriously bad at looking after equipment, which is when you're doing contracts is harder, but also in hindsight, ADD doesn't help. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I had this and I just, I could never get on with them. Even though at wedding gigs, I really struggled to hear myself because we had crappy monitors and just live sound is hard when you're next to your drum kit. Yeah. Like it's hard to get your voice loud enough. Um, but I had in-ears and I just, I can't, I jump too much on stage. If I'm not glued to a guitar, I'm jumping, I'm running around and stuff like that. And it just falls out and I sweat and it's annoying. Also, yeah. I think it, it um, takes away from the interaction with the crowd. I always feel like I'm cut off for it. And, and um, one of the bands I was in, the guy was always like, you need, a, you need to use your in-ears, you need to use your in-ears. And I was like, I just don't, I don't get that same feeling from it. It mm -mm. disconnects me and I don't like it. It does cut you off and it's so... I shouldn't say that. No, no, it, you should. I think we should talk about it as musos. Like it's, it's normal to go through that. Like even, uh, I think Sam watched a thing where Bombay Bicycle Club said they went on in-ears and they didn't like it as well because they felt disconnected. But yeah. they said their singing was just so much better, their harmonies. So they, they tend to do one ear in, one ear out, which... I uh, well, I bought ones at the time that had a, it had like a microphone in it so you could get an ambient sound. Right. But when they hadn't done the pack for it. For the, for the ambient sound so by the time it came out I'd already gone I just can't be asked yeah I think 700 quid they cost me at the time that was yeah no they cost a fortune they cost an absolute yeah. fortune and like the whole argument between drivers and stuff like that and you're like on a live gig am I listening to that detail I don't know can I hear it and does it matter if I'm singing the perfect harmonies if I'm not hyping them up yeah. they're too drunk to bloody hear it <laughs> So exactly it's a exactly. weird one um but sorry you were telling me about finding a place for original music within your own life and oh yeah yeah I, i'm just i feel like i have i want to write stuff i want to write songs i've got stuff that needs to come out of me so i'm, I'm and i just haven't for a long time and i don't know it's got not i think life got in the way or there's just been so much that i've been dealing with i haven't made the space to do that like I'm just kind of getting into a bit of journaling, um, which is quite interesting and trying to be like saying the positive things that you're doing every day and what you want to improve for the next day, that kind of stuff, just to kind of get my mindset better. Yeah. Because it can be really easy to just like, you just go through the day, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. I've written a to-do list that I'm still not done and I've just rehashed that every mm. day. And I'm woken up at silly o'clock in the morning with my little and we're getting up now. Yeah. But then I'm going to bed late because I want to get stuff done. And um, like I'm learning about time blocking and all that kind of stuff. Trying to just make positive steps to be able to be more creative and allow myself the time to, to bring the music back into my life, I suppose. And mm. I, like I'm getting to the point where I don't want to be doing the microblading and stuff in the day. I want to be spending that time on music um, yeah working in the music science thing but trying as a as a mother i have the responsibility that i need to make that work in a, in a monetary fashion because i've got to provide for my son yeah 100 like percent. at the moment i live between my mom and my brother um yeah and I, I need to like provide a house a more stable environment but i also owe it to myself to to do that in a way that is beneficial for me as well i think very easy to lose yourself 
then what you need, like, especially as a parent now, what you, you think you need to be doing. Oh, yeah. Having that responsibility is so confusing. I was never good with responsibility before. <laughs> I think it probably can be quite rooting because you've got that. So it's like, I have no choice but to make yeah, a yeah, plan, you know. Where, but I do think that must that makes it even harder to be like, no, I need to be, is this selfish or is this the right thing to do? It's difficult to explore things as much. Kind of, you want to instantly know it's going to work, which doesn't. So it's, it's kind of finding the balance with that. And I also want him to see me doing something I enjoy and being yeah. proud of a mummy that does what, what she, you know, has a conviction to do what she wants to do. So that's a, that's a big thing for me as well. I don't, I don't want him to see me just doing something for the sake of it. Uh-oh. I think it, again, it's, it is hard as a person, as creatives, we tend to, and like you say, as we tend to enjoy most things, we, we can find enjoyment in anything. So it becomes hard to choose. And even with this, and I'm like, I'm so glad to be doing this podcast again. I love doing these chats and I love, can we do this every week, please? Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm happy, <laughs> but um, you know, and I think with, even with cover monkeys, I did it fairly consistently for quite a long time. And I Great learned, uh, thank you, <laughs> but I couldn't manage the consistency of it. And mm-hmm. I haven't done a podcast in maybe a year. And mm-hmm. I had some really good content. I was enjoying doing it. It's not that hard to do, but like to consistently put my energy into one space. And like you say, without knowing how to make money from it, mm-hmm. without having, like you say, a guarantee or just being like, oh, but I like doing lots of things. So I want to do all the things. And then I'm bored of this now. Once the challenge Terrible goes away. Terrible for that. Terrible. I'm, I'm trained as a plumber. I'm a makeup artist. I'm now a micro, like a semi-permanent makeup artist. I've taken weddings, like perform weddings, that kind of stuff. Everything. But a lot of that, and this is like one of my big things at the moment, which I'm um, trying to, but it, when I do the mentoring thing, I want people to understand is that music is a proper job, can be a proper job. Because yeah. all my life I've been told by various people, you need a backup plan. It's like, and if I'd have put more energy into my music and not gone down all the other routes, I'd have been probably much more successful. I mean, I've been successful as a musician, mm. but I probably would have made a bit more money maybe or taken it on a different route. I'd have definitely started the contract work early. I was quite late to the game with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, what was I when I started? I do, right, but I do think you almost appreciate it more, and you're more mature about the way you tackle it, because you appreciate it, maybe, yeah, young, you don't necessarily know, I mean, it was such an emotional endeavor for me, because, and the same as going to studying, you could say I'm late to the game studying at BIM, but, uh, you know, going there at 27, I'm now, so exciting, oh, it's been awesome, like, going there, everyone says, oh, dealing with the young people. No, it's inspirational. And also I can appreciate the education more. I appreciate the teachers. I know what, I don't mind what they've done. I know what's valuable is what they're imparting to me. Yeah. The personal touch. I'm not there going, oh my God, drug, sex, and rock and roll. Woohoo. You know, oh my God, I'm free from my parents. (laughs) Yeah. No, not gigging on the weekends. Well, until now. But yeah, like I'm like, cool, practice this, 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 this. And yeah, it did help me find the ADD thing. But I think most musicians could benefit. There's a channel called How to ADD. Okay. So life-changing, yeah. Because whether or not maybe you have diagnosable, I think all musicians have a touch of a 
It's just a creative gene. It's why, because creativity is inertly impulsive and impulsivity is, is a big condition. And so I think a lot of the time it's, what I realized is like a lot of the time it doesn't get detected in women because women present it differently as they care more. So often they'll, um, they'll still do well in school because the system and structure is there and they respond to that pressure or whatever. Or if you're more intelligent, you're more likely to detect it later in life. Um, so because I did well in school and because I did well in that educational environment or because I chose a creative career, there was always something masking that because I could do the pressure thing or I could do occasionally six hours focused practice, but then not be able to practice for a month. Um, or if I had 50 songs to learn, I could learn them, but give mm. me one song to learn. I struggled. And now um, knowing that, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the links. Have a look. <laughs> Cause it's, it's been <laughs> fucking life changing. And I think it's kind of weird. Cause now I see it everywhere. I'm like, maybe you have this, but it's also, I think it's just so common in musician circles and it's common in the world because we're in a world that makes ADD worse because you've got, it's also hereditary isn't it? like you get people in the same family with similar adhd add that kind of stuff yeah well, adhd and add are the same it's just what, what well they, they everyone keeps telling me my son is because he's so he is just like a little whirlwind and i just think sometimes i'm like is he he's just an energetic child and then sometimes i think mm. <laughs> he just doesn't i'll, I'll send you the links it's difficult because often a parent gets diagnosed when their kid gets diagnosed and then they find out because it's not necessarily all bad but it is now knowing it it gives me and, a lot I also have ME as well, though, so that's like the opposite side of it. So sometimes, oh, do I just you have no I'm, energy? Yeah, I have a friend with ME. That's horrendous. That's not. It can, it can be. I manage it quite well now, but it, there's been there's been points where it's been just like, what the? F just, mm. There's no way I'm getting out of bed. It's not happening. Yeah, no, I've 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 seen it. I mean, I, I've not experienced it, but it's horrendous. That'd be but, interesting uh, if you've got the two. How does that work? Well, the thing is, ADD just comes with a lot of overwhelm and like everyone gets it. So the problem with ADD is a lot of people don't realize it because they relate because everyone goes through it yeah. and they're all things like anything. Everyone gets a bit down. Everyone gets a bit this, but depression is characteristic that you cannot get out of it. And until you see the real thing, you're like, Oh, I don't have it. So yeah. with ADD and especially as entertainers, I think we're able to mask it more or mask people it. go, Oh, she's just creative. Yeah. Oh, she's just, and um, with me, because I was always losing things, but I was always moving. I was always yeah. doing things that no one else related to. I was always immigrating. And I was like, well, immigration, you're going to lose things yeah. when you don't have a stable. But then when it was especially considering I was going to BIM, so I had the structured environment. I'd lived in the place, same place. I hadn't lived in the same house for more than like seven months, I think maybe eight months max yeah. for seven years, my entire sort of adult life post uni. And I'd always lost things as a kid and as an adult. And that was just who I am. But dad had always done it. He'd always struggled. Mum had always put done it. Put it in a safe place. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in a safe place. And you go, I fucking tried. Like, <laughs> and I can't. And I, I remembered, I just couldn't, it was like after living here for a long time, I didn't have any big excuses because like I was always going through adjustments. And I was like, I've always felt like I've always been like, this is the thing. And I've been like, but this has always been the thing. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm but I'm moving, but I'm this. There was always an excuse. And everyone goes, oh, I once did that. Or they, you know, I surround myself with friends who would always find my keys for me. And then I just, a friend sent me these videos and I was like, 
that's me. And I started sobbing. I've always looked at things online, been like, am I bipolar? Am I this? Am I that? Am I like, and you always look at them and you go, no, that's not me. That's not, I, I relate to some of those things, but it's not me. The ADD thing, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Mm. I was like, that's me. Mm. And like, of course I don't relate to everyone's experience of it. Cause like autism, you have your kind of one area of expertise, okay. but it was just, yeah, it explained a lot of things for me. And so the overwhelm and the inability to be consistent is part of it. Now, whether someone's fully diagnosable, I think all creatives have that. It's that I like everything. Look at the shiny things and to consistently devote yourself. Some creatives, like we all have, ADD also comes with hyper-focus. So a lot of people will have that hyper-focus on one goal so they can then do that online or they just develop that discipline and they do it consistently for me i i've so the detriment of the things around them though you imagine yeah 100 percent. and everything comes with its drawbacks but like what learning that has made me realize like even with this care job i was like i'm now aware that i function well in the high challenge period yeah and i can learn you know, I might struggle and there might be things, there's definitely things I'm bad at and, and, you know, not natural things, but like, especially because I'm a person who throughout my whole adult life, I sometimes forget to put on deodorant. I don't have a routine, not because everyone says you just need a routine. No, I can't have a routine. I can't do routine. I'm not good at it. Like I try. I have to for my son, but it's really, I really find it challenging. It's challenging. Right. And as soon as I took the first day of medication and I, lay out the laundry and I tied my shoelaces. This is one I use a lot. I remember being like, this doesn't feel exhausting. It used to, tying shoelaces used to feel like, fucking just get on. And like, now I could be like, oh, it's just, I've just got to tie them and tighten them and, you know, and taking them off. I've just got to loosen them in an order. And like, it didn't solve everything and it started to wear off a bit. But I remember just being like, I don't need to have a podcast going while I do the laundry immediately sometimes I can just lay it out and I'm not trying to finish it as quickly as possible yeah like even when I'm not in a rush so there were a lot of things but like knowing that okay in this care job I'm going to function well actually the harder it is everyone's like it'll get easier I'm like the problem is once it gets easier that's when I'm going to existential crisis yeah yeah yeah. so whereas with music okay occasionally that'll happen but usually I can make it stimulating and my probably similar to you the aim is the interaction what way can I get them more involved? What way can I change yeah. this? What? And um, so, yeah, I think that's a lot of creatives problems, whether it's, you know, like I said, whether you need treatment or want treatment or cause there's positives to being that impulsive. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's like, we need to, what people need to be focusing on is not what can I do right now with all of my energy? It's like, what can I consistently do? for the rest of my life. And then that might lead you to the fact that, oh, I can't consistently do anything. Right. Unless I have to. Right. Okay. Like I need help. Oh, the place I'm at right now. It's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to send you this link because I don't know. I just feel like I'm just constantly going to people now. I think you might have this. (laughs) Like, and I don't, because I realize half my girlfriends or any of the people I've connected to strongly over the years is because we relate on a lot of these elements. Yeah. And my sister was the one, and my sister's always been a bit more 
she's odder than me, but she's also been a lot more normal. She's less, maybe less airy fairy than I am or less moving about all the time, but she's been a consistent programmer all her life. But yeah, what I didn't realize is a lot of what we related to was the overwhelm that, yeah. And she, um, she was always really impressive to me because she could do things a lot more consistently than I could. But what she said later in life when she, she got diagnosed before me and she said, the thing that stood out to her, she was like, how can I be really, really good at my job? Which she is, but also really bad at getting work done. She says, cause I look at all the people around me and those good at their job are good at getting work done. Yeah. And she was like, how am I this? The difference is in our field. It's very normal to be that way. It's very yeah. normal. And the thing I'm noticing and that I think is the ADD trait that's common is people who want really badly, want really badly. And they do put loads of effort in at different times, but they can't keep it consistent or yeah. they just get so emotional and they can't do it. And it's not, I don't want to, it's not a laziness. There's some people you can see, oh, they're just lazy. They yeah. just don't care enough. There's some people who I can see care really fucking badly. And they just, there's that block. It's the, it is, I, I agree, it's the, the overwhelm. The overwhelm can be massive. Also, this thing, like, what is, I find interesting is uh, people always think I'm an extrovert, but actually I'm, I might not be an extrovert because after a gig, the thing I want to do is go home and be on my own. <laughs> there are times where you want to go, like, carry on the feeling now and carry on partying, that kind of stuff. But a lot of the time, I want to go home and chill and just, like, get really into it again because you put yourself out there and it's like, I, I literally get overwhelmed by it. And it can mm. be, and you get that, oh, it's fine, and you can be having an amazing time, but you still get to that point where you're like, I just need to go home now. <laughs> so I don't know if this is, I felt this with a lot of, not a lot of entertainers, but I, I certainly have found a few that agree with me that if you're in sometimes quite, not empathic, like I, I never want to say, it, but but you feel people's emotions around you, whether you're right or wrong. I don't know. You know, I, so I'm I'll, sure I'm I'll very wrong most of the take time. Take on but. people's feelings, I think. Yeah, you do. So you're very like, if you're a frontman, especially an interactive one, you're watching the whole time. That person clapped along to that. That person didn't enjoy that. That person was getting there. Right. Okay. How do we get them more involved? Mm, they're gonna say yeah, or they might not, and we get it wrong sometimes. But like. This is what they want. Let's try to get them on board. My brain is permanently, even in this care job, and it's so bad because I need to remember to put on fucking deodorant for them. But my <laughs> brain's going, how can I make them laugh? And it's like, just fucking remember their shoes or to put the brakes on the commode. Like, that's what you need to do. The whole yeah. time I'm making breakfast, if I'm being quiet, I'm like, should I be singing now? Should I be, what can, how can I make them like me? just so fucked up but what that does is when you're on a stage it's like it's it's we live for it it's there it's the on 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 and then you're just like right I, i'm i'm done i'm exhausted from this yeah it's a lot of energy it's a lot of, and it's great because we have an overdrive button i've always called it that and i have another teacher who sang um her name's elliot may and she sang, boom, 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 bang, bang, bang. Say the boom, bang, boom, bang, bang, boom. Do your thing, make my body. You know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she was that. Uh, she, she sang on that track. That was her. And, but she talks about the overdrive button and all this stuff. And I'm just like, I think this is what part of ADD is that you can. You can hyper-focus. Yeah. Problem is, like you say, it detriments everything else. You cannot function afterwards or you really struggle. And then 
all the emotions come out afterwards or whatever. So it's great. You can turn it on when you're on stage. It's on. You almost yeah. can't not. Yeah. And like you say, it is draining. And I, I sometimes feel the same. I don't want to talk to everyone at a party on a stage. There's almost a singular focus. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, my mom used to tell me, she's like, you love being the center of it. Are you always the life of the party? And stuff. I said, not at a party. I like sitting and having a really strong conversation with one person. Same. Yeah. And I know a lot of singers who are like that. And I think it's, yeah, with a stage, there's a singular focus. So interesting. It's a weird way of looking at it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. I mean, I could be, I'm sure I'm talking complete bollocks, but no, I, really, I really want to find a psychologist. So if you know anyone or something, or I want to find someone who's a specialist in ADD and who's thought about or specialist in ADD and musicians would be huge because I haven't seen content about it that much. Oh, let's do some research. Mm, let's find it. Cause I think an interview on that would be really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, so it, that's like, this is great fun. And I think it's useful. I mean, I know I like having podcasts while driving, although not many musicians are back to it yet, but like, <laughs> I like having podcasts on in the background and just random chat like this. Uh, yeah, no, I've just started. I, I, do, I do a lot of my learning, I suppose, in the car. No, it used to be learning mm. songs and stuff in the car. I'd have in, like, and that's when I'd learn most of it. But um, now it's, I, I, I love listening to podcasts and just getting yeah. more insight into things. And I think I'm thinking of starting my own, but that's another thing that I, I know I'll, I'll probably hyper-focus on. So I need to... But it's exactly that. You're like, I can start it, but can I continue it? Exactly. Well, it's fine. If you, if you to want prepare. to team up, do, do cover monkeys and we can just... One thing I'd like to do, but again, it's this is the thing I'm really struggling with or finding that balance with is I'd love. And that's what, why ghosts of you was so great is because I was like, get on board. This is not for me. Yeah. You yeah. know, let's work this project to raise money for this. And it was so much easier, but when it's like my venture, whether it's my band or my, this, I'm like, come support my thing or be part of my thing. Let's make it our thing. Even that it's still harder, but like for cover monkeys, I know I can't do it on my own. I can't do it consistently long-term. So, but I like the concept. I like the thing. So yeah, I mean, maybe we can chat um, after. Yeah, we went off something like that. Yeah, yeah, see, and that way, I do think what keeps things going, and that's why musicians who are signed maybe get further, whatever, what keeps things going or makes things great is teams because yeah. the best things will out. Or when one person falters, the other person picks up the slack. Yeah. And that's the more you grow, the more people you have on board with a project, the more likely it is to keep going. Definitely. Th and it's accountability as well. So definitely. I find yeah. that trying to do stuff on my own, not having accountability. Like with the business courses I've been doing, we have like Facebook groups and pods within the Facebook groups. Yeah. So you're like, in a, like a team of like 10 people. And so that you're like... You kind of get it done because you don't want to let people down, or you want you've just got someone that you're yeah, and to. or you've put the money towards it. You know you're paying for this course, so you're going to do it. Well, yes, that, that's definitely. why I went to BIM yeah. because yeah. I was like, everyone said to me, "You can do this on your own. You've got more time. Don't put the you know student loan against your name." I was like, but I'm not doing it on my own. Yeah. 
for whatever reason that I can't motivate myself, I can't, but I know that I function well once I've done that. And so a lot of, I mean, that sometimes people just need a bit of structure as well. Structure and yeah. And priority. You prioritize it because you put the money there, but like when you're forced to make those priority decisions every day, it's really hard. Yeah. Totally anyway, so <laughs> we'll have a quick chat after we sort of um, quote unquote end the podcast, um, which hopefully will come out right. And I figure out how to get the recording in good quality. Um, but, I, hope it's, I hope it's not just me shuffling on it. I'm terrible for that. Oh no, I shuffle all the time. There's definitely, <laughs> there was one podcast where I realized I put my elbow on the table and it just, or I had a fr- I knew I couldn't do it, but the friend I was with kept putting her elbows on the table. And I was like, because it made a really loud noise, but I haven't heard any loud noise come through so far. So we'll figure it out. Okay, but um, yes, thank you for, for chatting with me. This has been so lovely. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think, I think you should definitely do, um, or we should, or whatever, a video specifically talking about having a kid in music and how that's affected you as a creative parent and being a single parent. And yeah, that line between responsibility and vocation. Is that the word? (laughs) Oh, good word. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. We learned things in high school. Better than me with your words today. (laughs) You're doing fine. Have you done a lot of interviews like this? No, 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 no. This is something as well that I wanted to do the podcast for, even if it, because I wanted to do something that didn't have an end goal. Uh, yeah. So just before we end, I'll, I'll close out on this. I wanted, the reason why I created it is because I wanted something that was done for the sake of now, because everyone goes, and maybe I was wrong, because if you don't have a monetary gain from it or aim, then it's sometimes harder to keep going with it. Whereas if I maybe had got a sponsor on board earlier on, but I was kind of like, I'd rather build something for the sake of building something good and then be like, okay, I think this is a strong enough set of content to move forward with. But the biggest thing is I thought, well, at the end of it, even if it's just cool conversations with people I admire and I learn a lot from or connect with, then that's valuable. So therefore the work isn't for naught. Yeah. And if it's cool conversations that one person listens to, great. You know, I, I've always enjoyed a performance where one table's into it. Doesn't bother me whether it's one or ten. I'd rather have one interested party than a hundred who don't really care that much. I think you learn a lot about yourself as well. Like even even the stuff I've been coming out with myself today, you're just like, oh, oh I do have an opinion on that. Or yeah, that is kind of. Oh like yeah, like what do I think about that? Yeah, really and I think cool. I I quite like the long form podcast because you have often we don't get proper conversations life it's just how are you what's this oh how's the weather bollocksy bits and yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um i thought i wanted to do that and as well there's the idea of what i didn't realize because i was never scared of it because i can talk bollocks for ages and i just (laughs) put it out there and ignore it listening back is another story but like a lot of people a lot of musos were like oh i'm a bit nervous and i went what like, I don't take, what, I'm totally more nervous about something like this than, than getting on stage. Yeah. Lives, well, Facebook lives are oh. well, just there, aren't they? Well, that's, I mean, the difficulty with Facebook lives or YouTube or video things at all, putting that out there, is that I don't, I haven't done the live streaming performance thing. It's because, and I'm sure you're the same, you base your performance on the energy that's there. Yeah. 
it's for me, it's a very different medium when you're creating something that will a stay there. Yep. B where you're not getting the feedback. So like there I'm like down, I'm like, Oh, I need to do something impressive in a live state. No, I need to entertain you. I don't need to impress you. I need to entertain you. And that's a very different art form to me. Yeah. Or make you feel. I kind of felt pressure. Like I should do it because everyone's doing it and I'd kind of like to do it a little bit, but also I don't, I don't have the time or the, or the environment to be able to do it. Like my son wouldn't let me do it if he was here. Right. Just be like, <laughs> and Although then... they would probably love that. But again, it, it's again that thing of priority and focus. And it's like, it's another overwhelming factor in your brain. Yeah. And do you actually want to do it or do you want to do it because you feel you should? And a lot of musicians have been feeling that in this time as well, being like, I have the time, I should be using it all. Yeah. You know, and then you feel guilty and then you're like, and then you feel less inclined to do anything useful. And it's, it's really hard to know what to put your efforts towards. Oh my goodness. There's so much we could talk about. Yeah. No, we could go on for 10. I'm going to go away now and just write a load of topics that I think we need to talk about. I think that's (laughs) a really good idea. And maybe, yeah, we'll, um, Anyway, so we'll end this chat here and then we'll have a quick discussion of maybe some ideas we have. Um, But thank you so much for chatting with me. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And if uh, you have listened to the podcast, please come back. I think we'll be doing more stuff. I think hopefully me and Joe will be doing uh, more creativities. I think we both have idea brains right now. (laughs) And um, yeah, um, look forward to doing more. If there's anything you want to uh, chat with us about, what are your, my socials are at Roxy Sound, R-O-X-I-S-O-U-N-D on Instagram and Facebook. And Josephine, yours are? Uh, I have The Noise Ends, which is my band. And I also, uh, if you search musicians helping musicians with Josephine Ellul, that's the new music group. Lovely. And you have, uh, yes, yeah, so musicians helping musicians with Josephine Ellul. And um, it's good. doesn't matter. <laughs> like I said, attentive, small audience rather than millions of people. Like, and as well, it's specific. So it's searchable. Um, you don't just get a million of the same page of like, what are I the bad? I can never say it. If I do like a, like a live stream, you know, I go, hi, it's uh, Jay from... <laughs> that famous, famous lyric. It's the most famous lyrics. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, and, and search on at cover monkeys, um, or on Instagram, it's monkeys cover because I somehow fucked it up <laughs> or it didn't happen. I don't remember. Like, I swear I put cover monkeys and then I looked at it and I was like, oh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's also a YouTube series where I've got lots of interviews, um, like a mishmash of interviews with different musos, um, saying like their favorite wedding gig or the most annoying thing audience members do so check that out at uh, cover monkeys on youtube i'll hopefully be doing more because maybe this is joe has kicked my ass into gear okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.